Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me for this panel is the one and only co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And our senior sports editor, because I was told I need to give you a better title, so that's what we're going to run with. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach Duffy. It's a summer day, guys. I'm... Trying to come to grips and process things here. Well, we're, we're going to talk about New York Comic Con in tomorrow's episode, so we can get that's, into that today. But. That's exactly what I was talk, uh, touching upon, yeah. No, no, no. You tuned in for some sports talk, and that is what the ODPH is going to give you. So definitely join in the conversations on social media. You can find all our accounts at com. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Instagram. And especially hit us up on Twitter where we are extremely active. You can find all our profiles. You can definitely talk one-on-one with everybody on the show. So definitely, we like that interaction. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH because we have a lot to discuss. So as we're going to kick off the biggest sports story, and I need to emphasize that. Sorry, I just made everybody's ears pop with that. Has to be the announcement of the college football season. Uh-huh. Uh coming on here so pad why don't you break it down yeah so the story broke on what day was this this was sunday i believe yeah sunday uh that the power five conferences so that would be the big 10 uh big 12 acc scc and i uh pack 12 you know would be meeting to decide whether they whether they would be able to play this uh fall and if they would have to uh cancel or postpone you know uh, until the springtime, I know the MAC conference and then the Western Athletic Conference. I think mm-hmm. there there are two conferences uh, that aren't the Power Five that had already decided. You know what? Not taking the risk. We're pushing it back to the spring. Uh, so that was reported on Saturday, and then uh, according to ESPN, uh, Saturday the Big Ten presidents, uh, following a meeting on Saturday, uh, were ready are ready to pull the plug on its fall sports season, uh, and they wanted to gauge if commissioners and university presidents and chancellors from the other power five conferences would fall in line with them so everyone this certainly made the rounds on social media and on the news sites everyone's like oh might start seeing some dominoes fall because i know that's one thing everyone's been wondering that hey you know college football starts what normally starts like what end of the month you know beginning of yeah, next month it's usually in the end of august uh first weekend of september yeah. and the latest uc teams start playing yeah so we were coming you know up 11 30 you know not not nothing even the 11th hour you know 11 30 uh and then the first shoe dropped today uh when it was announced that the big 10 next fall college football season and was looking at the spring big 10 commissioner kevin warren uh said to the big 10 network quote all the decisions we would make during my tenure here will always put the mental and physical health and wellness of our student athletes at the center. We just believe collectively there's too much uncertainty at this point in time in our country to encourage our student athletes to participate in fall sports. Uh, he went on to say, it doesn't mean that we're giving up forever. We continually gather, have to gather information and look forward to the future. 
but there's so much uncertainty. This is a very, very trying time. This is one of those days you really hope in your career you will you never have to deal with these kinds of issues. But that's not the case in life. We have to deal with the issues presented in front of us, close quote. Uh, and then later in the day, the Pac-12 announced that they weren't just canceling uh, college football through the fall. They were postponing all sports through the end of the year. Uh, and that was by a unanimous vote from the, uh, the, the group. Uh, it's saying in a statement, quote, the health, safety, and well-being of our student athletes and all those connected to Pac-12 sports has been our number one priority since the start of this current crisis. Our student athletes, fans, and all those who love college sports would have liked would like to have seen the season played this calendar year as originally planned, and we know how disappointing this is, close quote. Coach, your thoughts. So I, I really had a tough time kind of going back and forth on all of this because, I mean, player safety obviously first Mm -hmm. and foremost like i mean i i can't stress that enough like i mean i love college football like don't get me wrong there is nothing more than i want than you know Notre Dame to win the acc so we can just troll all of the acc and all the other power five conferences about Notre Dame playing one year in the conference and winning the title that one year there was i wanted that nothing more i wanted that november game against clemson in Notre Dame like i i just i was dying like I, I was like oh i was salivating at the idea of this but like i if they're not comfortable playing then i get it and i mean right. from the school standpoint but so this is where I, I flip because then you have trevor lawrence and ian book and you know a lot of these power five quarterbacks that came out and said you know the hashtag we want to play i respect them for that too like i understand that they're but on this my but my other side of it is like why what do you have to give yeah. to these universities? Yeah. You owe them nothing. I understand and I I appreciate the hell out of their conviction and their passion to want to play for these universities. But I mean, and I I know they get a free, you know, uh college education and, you know, pristine universities and all that jazz. But let's face it, it is a money-making business. These guys are putting their bodies on the line for nothing on the dollar compared yeah. when in comparison to what they're putting themselves through yeah and they have to think about their careers moving forward i mean trevor lawrence is a perfect example if this season doesn't mean anything what are you to gain you all yeah. are, you were already the number one pick mm-hmm. you have nothing to gain now a guy like ian book who has the body of work at Notre Dame, but you know a fifth year might push him from being a you know maybe a, a late draft pick, um, you know a third or fourth round guy that gets a that somebody takes a flyer on. You know maybe he has a really good year this year. Notre Dame does make a run, and he all of a sudden vaults up into the first round. I get that uh, aspect of it too, but my biggest problem is if they're going to preach player safety, you can't play in the spring and then the fall. You can't play spring 2021 right. and then fall 2021. Oh, no. God, no. no spring practices are different. Yes, they have their inner squad scrimmage. Sure. But they, you know, it's very limited as far as pad work up until that game. Well, let's face it. In spring games, they're not exactly trying to take each other's heads and, off. And that's the other thing, too. I mean, yeah, there, you might have that one go hard, oh, you know, yeah. that's yeah. trying to, yeah. is on the roster bubble and is like, hey, I need to make an impact in this game and might go a little harder. But outside of that guy, you know, you don't have these people going hard in this game and pad practice is limited up until that point. So it's like, how are you going to be able to say that? All right, we're going to end a season. Let's just say that they start, you know, spring, uh, March, you know, let's just say March 1st, because that's right around the time that things start spring starts to come. Um, 
you know, and then you end, I mean, college football season goes from September to November. So, or September to de- December before bowls roll yeah. out in January. Yeah. So and that's the end, end of November, beginning three, of December, yeah. three months to we'll we'll September. We'll, so three, we'll say three, three, for argument, three yeah. yeah. So you're talking March to June, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And now you have June until that following camp rolls around in August. So it's only a three month break before they're right back into it after yeah. now having almost a year and a half off. That's that's dangerous. And a guy like Trevor Lawrence, if they do play in the fall or spring, what do you have to gain? Nothing. No. Nothing. Nilts, nada. Get ready for the draft and, and go home. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something you definitely don't want to risk because just with everything going on, and, and not even just the, the symptoms with C-19. You know, there's the Red Sox pitcher who, whose name escapes me at the moment, but he had the virus, beat it, and now has a heart condition because of it. You don't like. I get some of these guys want to play and they want to go out there and ball. And, and for some guys, that might be their last season. They might not turn pro. They might not make it in the pros. But just it's not worth your livelihood for your future just to play one season of college football. And I and one of the reasons the Pac-12 had issues uh, was their medical advisory group quote had concerns that many of its current recommendations uh, cannot be achieved constant consistently across all universities at this point in time. Currently, the availability of frequent FDA-approved accurate testing with rapid turnaround time in, at each of the Pac-12 institution locations. In addition, in many locations within the conference, community test positivity rates and numbers of cases per 100,000 in the surrounding community exceed levels which infectious disease and public health officials deem safe for group sports. It's a wild scenario to just really break down. Because for the points that Coach touched upon, Trevor Lawrence is leading the charge for players to play this year. Mm -hmm. And I fully agree with Coach... Trevor Lawrence should not do anything. No, God, no. Only no. thing he needs to focus on is getting ready to walk out as the number one draft pick of next year's NFL draft. Facts. That is the only thing he should be focused on. Yep. Some of the other players I could understand, but where the universities are looking at this from is not necessarily a business standpoint for continuing college football. They're looking at it as a business standpoint for keeping their universities open. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is where the argument is right here because well, – Well, here's the problem, though, and the catch-22 to that. You're So you're saying that these college football players can go to campus and be on campus and maybe have online classes for the schools that are doing that. Mm. Some are, some aren't. But they can't go and play football? No. And I saw that argument today, and I was like – by God, that makes a ton of sense. No, I agree with you. That That is the problem that I don't think universities have fully grasped, and that's where I think the issue is because if you're allowing them to go to campus, you should be allowing them to play sports in theory. I think their fear is the liability risk. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I think that, yeah. that, that, I, yeah. that is the I just, big neon sign in the room there. I, and just none, call a spade a spade. Just say it. None yeah. of the, and none of the universities are happy about this just because you know whether you love or hate college football, it brings in a lot of money for those universities and for the athletic departments. No, absolutely. That That's the one thing that we say it's not a business, but let's face it, it is a business. Yeah. yeah. But for you to bring people onto your campus – where we are dealing in a pandemic era right now mm-hmm. that we still at this time don't really have a full grasp on in every state. No. This is a dangerous idea to bring people onto campus in general. So depending on what you want to feel about and, C-19. And, and especially in college, you know, atmosphere. Where Absolutely. Let, where, let's face it, hygiene is very widespread. 
Well, that's the thing. That's why, depending on what you feel about C19, but I'm saying the argument that we are in a pandemic. Like, yeah. I, I, oh, fully, yeah. Yeah. I, I fully think it's crazy, if, in my opinion, to bring kids to campus, to have schools running right now. But if you're going to do it, then why are you saying you can do one thing and not another? Like, that's, that's where the argument is kind of very confusing to me. I just, I mean, to me, it would, I, I feel like if you kept the in-conference games, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily the bubble, but where football and baseball sort of differ is, and especially at the collegiate level, is you do have full control of these kids. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, so essentially they are in a bubble. I mean, for Notre Dame, for example, even for home games, they stay at a hotel mm-hmm. to not, you know, have to deal with any on-campus noise or anything like that, you know, bed checks, the whole nine. So, I mean, that's essentially a bubble. You know, you control these kids' lives from, you know, the moment they enroll on campus until they, they either graduate or go to the NFL. So... I guess I shouldn't say control, but you know they you dictate. Yeah. You know, I mean, they the coach is responsible for you. That's why you go to that university. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, to me, it's like it makes sense at the Division One level that you know you only play one game a week. You could easily, you know, have the in conference games, have your you know medical staff be the ones that hold you know the COVID tests and the temperature checks and all that stuff. And if a player breaks protocol or breaks, you know, the quote unquote bubble that you either have on campus or, or, you know, off of campus, it's simple. He doesn't play. And that's just an, that's an easy way to handle that. You know what I mean? I mean, I just, so if you wanted to do it, that was the way to do it in conference games and you control and, and monitor the players whereabouts and, and, or correspondence, I guess you can say. Mm -hmm. So you got to know where they are at all times, which they already do anyway. Because if you're telling me that Saban doesn't know where his starting quarterback is on Thursday night at nine o'clock, you're nuts. Yeah. You know, like he knows. So, I, I you could have gotten away with it. You know, like you could have done it. And it's different than baseball because mm-hmm. baseball, you're playing three games in a city. Mm-hmm. You're, you're getting dinner. You're going out. You know, doing the whole nine. You want to see the town. It's different. You know, but and they're professionals. Yeah. Right. These are college kids. Well, that well, that's the big point too that uh, i know is having some talk with everybody on social media about is where the nfl and major league baseball and the nba are a business college college athletes are not paid as athletes right and we're, as you know like in the in comparison the so. sport of football is a business right uh, collegiately or not it's just the players are not compensated as if it is a business correct yeah so that's where the universities are looking out for the liability issue but that also goes the question has to get brought up well if you're bringing them on campus mm-hmm. how are you saying they can't play or especially as you brought up too, coach they're in a very controlled environment the the most controlled that you can have mm-hmm so outside of the NBA bubble and the PLL bubble, right? I, I mean, that's the most control that you can have. Yeah, the collegiate level, they are very good about keeping track of their players for the most part. Yeah, that you know, you don't hear about too many hiccups about instances happening where the teams don't really know about what's going on with their players. I outside of Notre Dame two years ago with Jerry Tillery before the bowl game against Ohio State, not much has gone on other than that. You right, know what I mean? Right. I mean, there are certain examples yeah, you, that happen. But every kid, you know, he's you're a 19 year old kid, and you know you. Get caught up in stuff, you get caught up in stuff. But yeah. at the same time, though, it's very easy to say, you broke the quote-unquote bubble, you cannot play. Yeah, and that's where I think if they had more time to really grasp about where everybody's going to be during this time period, that maybe this reaction – I don't want to say it came off too early, but it's also one of the situations that I think that where the universities were looking at it, 
they weren't realizing how bad things would be at this time? I, I think the decision came too late, in all honesty. Like, this decision should have been made months ago. That The fact that we're sitting here, it's, you know, I'm going to date the episode where it's the 11th of August. Mm-hmm. College football starts, theoretically, in two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fucking asinine that we're sitting here two weeks from the theoretical start of the college football season, and you've only, not, outside of a, some minor mid-major conferences, Two of the major conferences have only just now decided, oh, hey, you know what? We're not going to play because you've got guys who I'm sure have been training and going through conditioning and drills and God knows what all else getting ready for the season that all of a sudden, oh, no, well, never mind. You don't got to worry about it. Oh, they're working out year round. There's no question of that. Well, I think the other problem is, too, that while we're talking about college as a, a business, you know, these these universities don't necessarily run at, you know, a uh, uh, Law, you know, profit, you know, gain loss margin mm-hmm. like a major league baseball owner might do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So let's think about the fact that, you know, these baseball owners, you know, are right now having no fans in attendance, but playing, paying players that prorated salary from, you know, that date and, and, and whatever. You know, while these players are on scholarship and everything, like, you know, there's still people that got to get paid, you know, I mean, there's booster, well, not boosters, but there's coaches and coaching staff and, um, training staff, uh, planes, you know, transport, food, accommodations, like all those things that like, you know, maybe Notre Dame, the fact that they have, you know, boosters who are donating millions and millions of dollars a season versus, you know, maybe like, uh, you know, a Southern, uh, a Tulsa, you know, that might not have the same booster power that Notre Dame has. That, yeah, a smaller tier school. Yeah, a smaller tier school that, you know, now you're, you know, uh, uh, asking them to run, you know, a football program with no additional income because now the profits from the in-season stuff are gone. Beca- so that that becomes, a, uh, you know, a bit of a logistics. Just to throw some more confusion on top of this, I uh, should note that the group that made the decision for the Pac-12 uh, is made up of a chancellor or president from each of the conference's 12 universities and is the ultimate decision maker for the Pac-12. So, so it's so it's not just some random governing body that's elected, you know, by secret ballot, right? You know, what have you? No, it's it's the chancellor or president in charge of each individual school. So that all being said, now we have two majors that have canceled, well, and a couple of colleges looking to play possibly elsewhere. Uh, Nebraska football coach Scott Frost, Nebraska president college, uh, college president Ted Carter, and Chancellor Ronnie Green released a joint statement uh, this afternoon saying they hope to still possibly compete this fall, saying, "quote." We will continue to consult with medical experts and evaluate the situation as it emerges. We hope it may be possible for our student athletes to have an opportunity to complete to compete. We are very disappointed in the decision by the Big Ten Conference to postpone the fall football season as we have been and continue to be ready to play. Uh, safety comes first. Based on the conversations with our medical experts, we continue to strongly believe the absolute safest place for our student athletes is within the rigorous safety protocols, testing procedures, and the structure and support provided by Husker Athletics. Close quote. Uh, also, should note that Ohio State coach Ryan Day uh, is also op- open to the possibility of playing outside the Big Ten, saying on Monday, uh, "quote We need to look at every option, and if that's the only option at the time, we will explore it." Close quote. So then you're almost looking at a makeshift super conference. Make, just yeah, I mean there there was that rumor going around on Monday that 
the SEC was trying to recruit Oklahoma and Texas uh, to the SEC for a season. Now, we should know the Big 12 has not made any decision uh, about whether it will or will not play this upcoming season, and then the ACC and SEC are going to try to play. Coach? Yeah, I mean, I, I that in itself to me is a problem because if you let two Big 12 schools play, not to mention, I mean, already the fact that, you know, Texas has their own damn television network yeah you know which brings in additional revenue now you're going to be talking about the fact that they're going to be allowed to play you know and and you're not going to allow the other you know big 12 teams to play that's not right on the collegiate standpoint for these athletes um not to mention the fact that i mean i'm not saying necessarily that if it's a one cancels they all have to cancel situation but i mean if you you know your i mean that's that's the that's the uh, benefit of being your own individual conferences. You have your own individual, you know, rules and regulations. I mean, the ACC, if they feel comfortable playing, then who are we to say that, you you know, you can't. And if the Pac-12 feels the opposite, then that's the Pac-12 decision. You know, I mean, obviously it's a case-by-case standpoint in Mm -hmm. California, you know, in that region has had, um, you know, a higher case level sure then mm-hmm. you know what north carolina and new york yeah. you know who kind of have you know evened out the curve a little bit so to speak um i just i i i'm but on the flip side of it though at the same time you know i don't want this season to be a situation where you know it's the acc and the sec are the only two conferences playing and then everybody else is left right you know for whatever because on the flip side of that what I mean, what does that mean for a championship? You know, I don't, think, just, I don't think you can have one. Right, you can't. I mean, you don't have your power five. You don't have your playoff. You know, I mean, granted, all right, the SEC was going to get two teams in anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, I, I mean, mean so let's un- just unri- face that. Unwritten rule. Yeah, the unwritten rule. So let's just put that, you know, baby to bed. But let's, you know, not ignore the fact that this still, you know, if it's just those two conferences, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And I think that taints it for everybody involved. I think, I think for me, the most interesting part of all this is you have the Pac-12 statement and then the Big Ten statement about safety and, and this and that. But then you have the uh, chair of the ACC Medical Advisory Group, uh, Dr. Cameron Wolf, who is a Duke infectious disease specialist, uh, said, quote, we believe we can mitigate it down to a level that makes everyone safe. Uh, can we safely have two teams on uh, meet on the field? I would say yes. W- will it be tough? Yes. Will it be expensive and hard and lots of work? For sure. But I do believe you can sufficiently mitigate the risk of bringing COVID onto the football field or into the training room at a level that's no different than living as a student on campus, close quote. There it is. This is just such a messy situation. I think it's I think it's a case, and this isn't a knock against college football. I think this is just one of the things that comes with it. I think it's it's what happens as a re- – and I'm not saying there needs to be change or you need to, you know, what, ha- what have you. I think it's just a result of having so many different – organizational bodies working in cohesive union Mm. that there's no overriding commissioner or president or head head figurehead that either there's no adam silver there's no gary bettman there's no roger goodell there's no rob banfred that is like the be all end all i make the decisions for this group this is the result and and like i said not a knock not a criticism no it is what it is it's just my observation this is what happens you know this is what happens when you have too many hands in the cookie jar no you're completely right about that especially if the acc and sec are going to run as far as we are recording at this moment they are i'm saying as of this moment they are 
And then you have fragments from the other conferences that are shut down that want to still play, like Nebraska, Ohio mm-hmm. State, if they wanted to do this. You'll have to mark this championship year if there is a football season with an asterisk by it. Like, I understand that there will be a champion at the end if teams play, but this is not going to be your typical year if you no. do. And just with everything going on in a pandemic era that we are in currently, you have to really question why teams are having certain feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, it should be focused on safety first. But if a, if, a, if a college and team feels that they can provide a safe working environment and they want to give it a run, who are we to say no? But it, it, it's just very, very hmm, puzzling, I guess I would say. Well, I think here's the other problem, too, is I, I, I mean, I can't speak for the presence of these conferences, but – you know, maybe they just felt like, you know, July, June, July, you know, time frame. Oh, it looks like things are, uh, you know, the curve is starting to flatten. We're going to be able to run business as usual. You know yeah. what I mean? Notre Dame, obviously, at that point. And I mean, I listen, I'm sorry I'm talking Notre Dame heavy, but I just, that's what I know. No, that's so, coach's expertise. You know, they. If you're a new listener to the show, he knows Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, I like mean, they, they canceled, you know, the Navy game early. I mean, at, they were set to play Navy week zero, quote, you know, the week zero in Ireland. They had not canceled that game as of June. Then July hit. And right at that time in July, you know, the, the, the curve started to go back up for a lot of cases in a lot of, you know, states. And then they instantly canceled that game and started to look at moving the game to either Annapolis or, um, you know, to Notre Dame, depending on whoever, you know, would be able to host the game or whatever, you know, they could agree upon. You know, so that, that time frame in itself just kind of shows that they weren't prepared for that second wave that everybody had been talking about as far as the COVID you know, uh, virus was. Mm. Um, so I think that maybe if from a statistical standpoint, if these u- universities would have gotten together in July and started talking and started looking at the fact, all right, we're going to have this second wave. What do we need to do in order to operate yeah. instead of this just long, slow play that they did of, hey, you know, we'll be okay. Things are going to flatten. Things are going to be good. And then September came or August. And now they're like, Oh shit! Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, We've we got can't. nothing. We've yeah. got no plan. Yeah, that's you know as much as we criticize UFC for being kind of behind closed doors, not knowing. I mean, you can say the same thing for college football. Like we said, we're sitting here August. We haven't heard anything about you know with the ACC and SEC what they're planning on doing and testing and protocols and this and that. And like I said, we're two weeks away. Uh, do have an update. We we have a statement from both the ACC and SEC. Uh, the ACC saying, "quote The ACC will continue to make decisions based on medical advice, inclusive of our medical advisory group, local and state health guidelines, and do so in a way that appropriately coincides with our university's academic missions. The safety of our students, staff, and overall campus communities will always be our top priority, and we are pleased with the protocols being administrated on our 15 campuses. We will continue to follow our process that has been in place for months and has." served us well we understand the need to stay flexible and be prepared to adjust as medical information and landscape evolves close quote uh the sec saying uh sec commissioner greg sankey saying quote i look forward to learning about 
more learning more about the factors that led to led the Big Ten and Pac-12 leadership to take those actions today. I remain comfortable with the, uh, the thorough and deliberate approach that the SEC and our 14 members are taking to support a healthy environment for our student athletes. We will continue to further refine our policies and protocols for a safe return to sports as we monitor developments around COVID-19 in a continued effort to support, educate, and care for our student athletes every day. Close quote. So neither one backing down. Well, you don't think that they would back down in this late of the game. That no. I think that, as you touched upon earlier, Pat, for the Pac-12 and Big Ten to make the 11th hour delay yeah. of the season yeah. is not really a great look. And I think with their mentality, and this is just my opinion, interpretation, is I think that they thought as we were going on that the curve was starting to flatten and things would get back to a manageable level. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that is not the case. So they're doing what they feel they have to. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. And what I'm saying is if you feel that you can provide a a working environment and you're having students come to classes, Mm -hmm. then how are you saying that they can't have a a football season there when they can regulate and watch? That's the argument I would have because if you're – unless you're going to just do everything online and if you're not going to have anybody on campus, then you shouldn't have a team. Well, I think that's the problem in itself, though, is that not all the universities have – are on the same page. Are on the same page. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. Some are some are doing online. Some are classroom, and some are both. You know, I mean, that just in itself goes to show that you know if you have a school that is you know having you know in class classrooms, that's a higher risk than a school that is strictly online. It's, just, I mean, it, it's a very interesting the decision they made because what's the one thing college football loves more than anything? Money. This is very true. And they're giving up a decent chunk of it with two conferences now. Well, uh, four, if technically, uh, not playing. Well, it's the argument that you're going to have to have. And for your university, are you willing to provide that environment and try running the business like normal? Or are you saying, no, I can't, and I want to make sure that the people that are going to my university are safe and not have them there? It, it's such a strong debate that mm-hmm. I don't think you can have a right or wrong answer per se. You're going to have a lot of opinions about it, and we've given you ours. That, like I say, just to kind of reiterate, if you're allowing them to come on campus, mm-hmm. how are you going to say, well, you can do this, but you can't do that? And especially for the most part, you have a very closed environment that if you're a part of an athletic team, the coaches know where you are for the most part of uh, 24-7, and they can regulate it a little easier. That's going to be where the argument is. And then where we get to other teams coming in from traveling across the country – it's just such a problematic situation that if you're not careful and not 100% following guidelines, this could go disastrous really quick. Mm-hmm. So how do you regulate it? I and mean, the only thing I could think of is maybe they're like with the Pac-12, they're looking at the numbers and maybe the Big Ten did as well. Maybe they're looking at the numbers of cases and this and that in their area and just going, you know what? Too many factors that we can't control and we are not comfortable tempting. Fully understand that. So in closing, are you think? More, te- more conferences are going to fold, or are we going to have a very convoluted season, Coach? Uh, I mean, I I find it hard to believe. I, the only conference that I think is the real outlier here is the SEC, just because the South and the whole handling of the coronavirus mm-hmm. has been way different than what the North has done, and that's just facts. So um, I, I definitely can see that the SEC will try to absolutely push for um, – for a season, you know, for their schools at least. And, I mean, as far as the ACC standpoint goes, I 
I, I don't know. I, I find it surprising that they would be, you know, so willing to play. But, I mean, if they're comfortable and feel confident enough in their universities to keep everybody safe, then I think they'll play too. I, I lean no, but I think they will. I think what will happen is they'll try and play, but then maybe a couple weeks in they'll have to shut it down just because something's going to happen. You know, one of these factors that, you, okay, you can control – the athletes to a, a greater degree, but you can't control the factors around them. You can't control the classmates. You can't control the classmates' families, you know, or, or who they come into contact with and what have you. I think something's going to come into this, and it's just going to—it's almost going to be like with the NBA, where they just sh- hard shut down middle of the season. Whether they pick back up again or not, we'll see. Yeah, I have to agree. I think that at this stage, if you're going to try running, good luck. And I truly wish the best. I'm hoping everybody can be able to have a season if you're going to progress in that route. If you're not, I don't fault you for that either. And I'm not going to sit here and say somebody's right or wrong because, honestly, it depends on the case and it depends on where you are in the world right now, mm-hmm. where your COVID region is. And it's it's so weird to say, but like I say, it's a pandemic era, so you just have to make sure that your players and faculty and all those involved are safe. And if they're safe and healthy and you're going to try running, great. But you also have to make sure that you're not afraid to shut down immediately after running and feel like you're losing face because you're so like, we're going to run. If you start having outbreaks, you need to shut down quick. Mm -hmm. And there is no room for error on this. And I can't stress that enough. You're going to need to say stop immediately and take the proper precautions. So if you're going to try running, good luck. I don't necessarily know if that's the right move or not. Like, I, I have to say, if it were me, I would not run. No. But that is me. I can't say that I'm more smarter or not compared to some of the other universities, Chandlers, who have made this vote. I can't do that. But I'm just wishing them the best of the bad situation. Let's hope that we're not sitting here in a few weeks talking about there's an outbreak and, and the worst case scenario has happened. Let's hope that we're here in a couple weeks talking about some great games. Let us know what you think, though. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the two major college conferences shutting down till January at the earliest? No fall sports. We want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. In a world of utter randomness, one podcast stood out from the bunch, and it was the amazing world of talking shiz. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah, it's just mainly randomness. And focus is it's definitely not being not focused on at all. No. Uh, our podcast is definitely um, no theme at all. It's literally random and talk about literally everything and throwing in random jokes at any given time. Yeah. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Eh. So go ahead, tune in. New episodes weekly. And we're international. International. Very, very well. So tune in. Follow us on Twitter. See you there. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo!
Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and there is a very, very huge card Mm -hmm. this weekend for the UFC, UFC 252, taking place in Las Vegas. We're going back to the Apex. Mm -hmm. So we have a very big main event, but Mm -hmm. we're going to break down a little bit of the main card, give you our opinions, our thoughts, because... For the big main event, there are some fights that might be flying under the radar. So let us start with the bantamweight matchup. Mm-hmm. Pad, you want to lead us off? Yeah, so that is the bantamweight division that is between John Dodson and Marab Devazlishi. Apologies, I know I butchered that. So this one, Dodson is stepping into 135. He's always been known as a 125 fighter. Uh, I don't know that much about Mirab, but mm-hmm. I know that Dodson is almost like a veteran at this stage because I remember seeing him way back in the infancy of mm-hmm. the flyweight division. Uh, I think he does, though, make a better bantamweight okay. um, for his size. I do like him in this one a little bit more. Like I said, I haven't heard too much of Amirab. Uh, I know his ele- record is 11-4. and four. Yeah, 11-4, and four, uh, winning his last four fights. Uh, last loss was in April of 2018 where he was submitted by Ricky Simon. Yeah, so that being said, uh, this one could be a one that flies under the radar. I do like Dotson, though. I will always take a veteran if I don't know an up-and-coming fighter. We'll say Dotson, a little bit of an up-and-down record of, as of late. Uh, won his last fight against Nathaniel Wood, where he knocked him out. Uh, before that, lost two fights in a row to Peter Yan and then Jimmy Rivera. Uh, won a split decision against Pedro Munoz, but then lost to Marlon Moraes via split decision. So a little up-and-down. A little up-and-down, but he's been dancing in the bantamweight division. But like I said, I do think that it's a better weight division for him. Mm-hmm. I know, like I said, he's fought in flyweight before. But when you fight up against Demetrius Johnson, you can only go so far. Coach, you have any feelings on this one? I agree with you. That's what I like to hear. Smart man. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> no, I mean, Dotson is a name that sounds – I'm pretty sure I've seen him fight before. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. been on a card. So, yeah. Yeah, and I've, veterans always – got to feel more comfortable with, you know, when you're, you're, you're hedging your bets. So <laughs> – yeah, that's what I say. Like, I, I don't know too much about Mirab, and maybe he's going to prove to be a surprise to me. And with Dotson, though, like some of the names that he's gone through, I mean, he's gone between the flyweight and bantamweight who's who almost. Mm-hmm. So this one, though, like I say, at this stage in his career, doing a weight cut to 125, I think he's not really too keen to really take part in. So for the bantamweight, let's see what he's got. Mm-hmm. Going on to one of the big heavyweight cards of the night. Yeah, so the first bi- uh, heavyweight matchup is between Junior Dos Santos and then uh, – Without attempting to pronounce his first name, because I'll butcher the shit out of it, uh, Rosenstruck. Jazeera, no. Thank you. Uh, this one is a very intriguing fight. So, Pat, I know you're looking up Rosenstruck's record. Yeah, so Rosenstruck is uh, in 11 professional fights, is 10 and 1. Uh, last fight, he lost to Francis Ngannou, who knocked him the you know what out in 20 seconds. Uh, before that, he was undefeated, defeating the likes of Alistair Overeem. Uh, Andre Ar- Arlovsky, uh, Alan Crowder, and then Junior Albini, to name a few. So, Coach, let me ask you this. Jazino, which mm-hmm. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, too. Uh, Rosenstruck, up-and-coming fighter, ran into the buzzsaw known as Francis Ngannou. Sure. Should, should know, 32 years old. 32, which, I mean, he's going into his UFC MMA prime mm-hmm. in, that, in that stage. Ja Dos Santos, 36. Dos Santos, though, has a lot of tread on the tires, yeah. as we like to say. Yeah, I'm not saying he needs to win this fight, but if he ever wants to contend for anything again, might want to win this fight. He's lost two in a row. 
you have any feelings on this one? I'm thinking for me, if I can jump in, mm-hmm. please. I do like Rosenstruck in this one. Okay. Okay. The only reason is with Dos Anjos, like we say, a lot of tread on the tires. Yeah. If you look yeah. at his career, former champion. Yep. Classic bouts with Kane Velasquez. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely been on the decline at this stage. Yeah. Uh, losing his last couple. For him to go up against Rosenstruck, who I do like, and like I say, if you're going up against Francis Ngannou right now, mm-hmm. chances are you're not coming out of that unscathed. And, no. And Ngannou was very focused with Rosenstruck. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because he felt like there was maybe a little young trash talk going on. That, sure. You know, sure. You, you're on a hot streak right now. You're thinking too far ahead of me. Right. And you can't do that with Ngannou because Ngannou will just straight up knock you out. And mm-hmm. he did yeah. in record fashion. So that being said, I do like Rosenstruck to bounce back here. Okay. Any feelings on this one? Uh, I mean, I just looked at Dos Santos's last, you know, few fights, and then I looked at the 2019, mm-hmm. and I did see that he beat a UFC fan favorite in Derek Lewis. This yeah, is true. Which, I mean, a knockout in the second round is pretty impressive, considering that Derek Lewis just absolutely obliterated homie on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, and also look up uh, Derek Lewis's post fight interview for yes. for a good <laughs> laugh, but. At the same time, I definitely uh, can. I understand what you're saying too. I mean, it's kind of the opposite of the veteran in this fight, just because. I mean, Dos Santos. When you start talking about a fighter post 35, you are starting to talk about a decline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially when you've had so many fights. I mean, 28 fights is a ton in the octagon. Mm-hmm. You know, just in MMA fighting in general. Um, so I'll lean with uh, your suggestion, Ken. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking the same thing. Just because I mean, you look at when he went up and beat uh, when uh, Dos Santos beat Kane, uh, not Kane, uh, Frank Mir. At that point, he was 15 one. Hell of an impressive record there. But then he lost to Kane, beat Mark Hunt, lost to Kane again, beat Stipe Miocic, uh, lost to Alistair Overeem, beat Ben Rothwell, lost to Stipe again. One uh, against Blagoy Ivanov, Ty Tuivasa, and Derek Lewis, but then lost his last two against Francis Ngannou and Curtis Blades. It just and not all of those are like knockouts. There's a couple decisions in there, and you know what have you. I think there's just too much tread in the tires. It's just you don't know what you're going to get out of Dos Santos at this point, just because, like you said, there's a lot of tread in the tires, and he's taken a few punches in his day. I think, and it's like you said. With Rosenstruck, he ran into the buzzsaw that is Francis Ngannou. Fight Ngannou, you're probably going to lose your soul. Yeah. He's going to knock you out. Then he's got that vicious uppercut. Like I said, knocked out. He, uh, Rosenstruck got knocked out in 20 seconds. Yeah, so, it was it was brutal. I don't, I'm not going to say it's a freak knockout because no acts, no knockout is freak with Francis Ngannou. It's always planned. It always happens. You know, but I think it's just a, hey, you ran into a better fighter. There was nothing you could do. I think uh, Rosenstruck will bounce back from this. Yeah, like I said, I think that Rosenstruck is an up-and-coming fighter. He's going to be a name in this division for for a while to come. But when you get in there, and a lot of times, as we've seen over the past few weeks, when there's the up-and-coming big hype behind somebody, the next big thing moment, shall we say, with fighters. Shane uh, Northcutt. Yeah, Super Sage Northcutt. Uh, the gentleman that just fought from Ronda Rousey's camp. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Shabazian. It, it's one of those moments when these fighters really start thinking, okay, I'm going to be the next John Jones or mm-hmm. the next big phenom, and then you run into a veteran fighter that feels they're disrespected, and they come out with a statement win. Yeah. For Rosenstruck, this will be his moment to bounce back with. And I think for Dos Anjos, he's gone through a plethora of names that Pad just read mm-hmm. through, and a lot of those fights were not – one round knockouts. No, 
I mean, I remember the Cain Velasquez fights, and I just remember not the one that Cain blew his knee out in, but the one that um, Dos Anjos, his face just looked like it, like half his lip got ripped off in one of the nastiest cuts I've ever seen in a fight, and just the damage that it takes on you to stand in there and withstand all that physical punishment for mm-hmm. this time. And this is just his MMA record, not to say Dos Anjos has a very noted boxing record, too. So, true. So you have to factor all of that in. I just think at this stage in the game, you're on the other side of 35. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Rosenstruck's time to do this. Yeah. But if we are talking about the next big thing, mm-hmm. I was actually surprised to see this man is the co-main event. Pad? Yeah, this uh, matchup is in the bantamweight division between Shane O'Malley uh, and then Marlon Vera. Uh, Shane, or is it Sean? Sean. Okay, well, apologies. Sean O'Malley. It's actually seen. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Sean O'Malley, in his professional record in 12 matches, is 12-0, and 0, uh, eight knockouts, one submission, three decisions. Uh, and then Marlon Vera, in 22 professional records, is 15-6. and six. So this one, Coach, there's a lot of hype behind Mr. O'Malley. All right, explain to me like I'm three. Okay. Mr. O'Malley came off the Dana White Contender Series. Okay. And a lot of buzz on that show. A lot yeah. of ESPN plugs in this last fight on Saturday night. Yeah. Which the show, if you ever catch it, I mean, like I say, it's people that are fighting to get in the UFC. Sure. And, and it's it's great for, I don't want to say amateur fights, but it's you see a lot of more hungrier fighters, mm-hmm. in there, which I love to watch because when you're not comfortable, sure. that's where you're at your best. Sure. Yeah. You know, you're more motivated. Uh, Sean O'Malley came in and is very charismatic. He does not look like he has knockout power, but that's all he does is throw his hands. He's known for his uh, very wild hairstyle. I was just going to say his uh, Google, uh, the picture for the UFC 252 on Google here is of him in a rainbow yeah. style hair. I, yeah. uh, which that uh, jogs a memory. I saw a video, I think it was on UFC's Facebook yesterday. Of this. I think it might have been an embedded or something where they were talking to him and he was at home. He was talking like, yeah, I got to get ready to do this and that. And he was just sitting in a chair playing uh, Rainbow Six Siege on whatever console he owns. And I'm like, this dude seems very down to earth. Oh, he is. I mean, he's very charismatic. I, I want to say in a different vein than Conor McGregor. Sure. sure. But, but he is very charismatic. He does win you over. Uh, he definitely has that Diaz-type buzz to him. But he's just very engaging. And when mm-hmm. you hear him in post-fight interviews, they're always very good. His last one that he just uh, fought a couple of months ago on the Apex, he was already calling out uh, Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, he, not, he knocked out uh, Eddie Wineland uh, with a knockout in the first round. And that was a brutal knockout. And take nothing away from Eddie Wineland, former WEC champion at Bantamweight. Sugar Shane... I, I keep on saying Sugar Shane because I want to say Sugar Shane Mosley, but it's Sugar <laughs> Sean. That's what Sugar Scene. Yeah. That's what we might have to say here on the show. Mm-hmm. but That's fine. But for Sugar Sean, he is the real deal, I think. But yeah. going up against Marlon Vera, Vera is a very experienced fighter. This is, I want to say, his first real quote-unquote test in the UFC. That I think that nothing against Wyland, but at this stage, Wyland was already past his prime, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a real test for him. And then I am not doubting. Let's, if, let's just throw this out in the world. If O'Malley gets a highlight reel knockout, mm-hmm. because that's all he's going he's been doing is just throwing his hands lately. Yeah, yeah. If he gets like a first round knockout here, I'm not saying he's going to get a title shot, yeah. but he's going to get skyrocketed I, up the card. Could be. I mean, you look at his last three fights: uh, knockout, 
TKO, and then a decision. Uh, in that order, performance of the night, performance of the night, fight of the night. So the hype is there, but just we've we've seen this before. You know, guy comes in, all the hype in the world, and then the train derails. Mm-hmm. You know, will we will uh, Sean O'Malley be the guy that like the train doesn't derail? See, it's got to derail at some point. I mean, well, yeah. You you have to think. That, I mean, does it though? Because John did it. Well, but who well, else has done it since though? Well, true. That's the thing. You get a once in a lifetime talent. Well, Connor did it until he decided to get distracted. Yeah. Well, Connor was. Yeah, Connor had the same mentality too. But, but I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm. Let me add something here. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you know, you don't get twelve and zero. You don't get those accolades, mm-hmm. and then put into the co-main event of arguably. Outside of the Khabib fight coming up and the Connor fight, you know, a few months ago, the co-main event on a trilogy fight that the UFC has been hyping since, you know, they announced it three months ago mm-hmm. for no reason. Right. You know, like he's put in this position because this is, I mean, essentially it's a fight or flight. You know, mm-hmm. either either he wins this fight and just, uh, you know, I, why not get a title shot? I mean, if you win the, the fight of the night on this kind of card – absolute i mean your name you're gonna draw you deserve it you know and if you lose then you know all the hate you know all the haters or people that doubted you now can say yeah he wasn't ready for that spotlight yet this is the perfect position for him right now it's it's a good litmus test yeah oh it's a very good litmus test i do like o'malley in this one though yeah i I will say i will get my official pick on that coach you got a feeling on this one too i'm gonna go with scene okay yeah i'm going with sean as well i mean you look at the record 12 and 0 Maybe, he, you know, and just looking at the body of work, you know, eight knockouts, maybe he's the guy who finally, like, the hype is real. He might be. And like I say, for him, he's currently ranked number 14 in the bantamweight division. I am going to throw two fight scenarios out if he wins. Okay. Okay. If he wins, he gets somebody in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure about injury statuses at this stage. I'll look him up. But I do think that maybe he would get thrown against uh, Rafael Asuncao. Who's number eight fighter? Okay, maybe um, a Cody Stammen, the number nine, or I'm not even going to doubt this happening because I could fully see Dana doing this. He'll put him against Jose Aldo. No, oh, at yeah. number six. Yeah, I can see that one happening. I could fully see that happening because there's only a one other fight that you could make, and there is a little dependency about what's going to happen. And that is Cody Garbrandt is going down to fight Figueredo at flyweight for the belt. If Cody Garbrandt wins that, mm-hmm. I'm not saying O'Malley's going to try cutting 10 pounds, but don't doubt the idea, at least, mm-hmm. of O'Malley versus Garbrandt if Garbrandt wins at flyweight for the belt. I know he would be leapfrogging an entire division. But let's face it, the flyweight division is kind of in this weird state of flux that you have Cody Garbrandt, who has never fought, to my knowledge, at flyweight, now getting a title shot by going down. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of thought. I think the smarter move would keep O'Malley at bantamweight sure. and put him in there against somebody in your your six, seven, eight range if he wins this one. It all depends on what happens here, but I could definitely see that happening. There's going to be a lot of moving and shaking going on. But like we say, if O'Malley loses, this is all for nothing. And it's going to be a long-forgotten footnote of the next big thing just flamed out. 
Yeah. So, so to the two gentlemen you mentioned, uh, a Sun Tso, uh fought last on June 6th at UFC 260. He lost about uh, via a second-round knockout. So not scheduled for anything. Don't know of any uh, medical injuries or what have you. And then Cody Stammen, uh he faced Jimmy Rivera in a featherweight bout on July 16th uh, for a UFC on ESPN card. Lost the fight via unanimous decision. So relatively soon but nothing said about any injuries or up, upcoming scheduled fights so could happen it could happen that's what i say i know dana would really love to push him near the top of the card if he keeps winning and he's charismatic as all hell too mm-hmm. like his post-fight speeches are always great he has a very unique reaction with everybody in the crowd so i'm not down that idea i mean what crowd well no. the internet crowd because they're the only ones <laughs> commenting at home and of course a couple people that are in watching the cage side too sure you know somebody's got to be watching sure. their live. And uh, only plug, be- plug the stream Oh, yes. Well, because I, I was <laughs> going to get to it at the end because if you want to talk about crowds, twitch.tv slash 607 podcast, they're going to be live streaming UFC 252. We're going to give you our live reaction to everything. So you're not going to see the fight, but you're going to see Rich from Three Fed Nerds, myself, Coach Duffy, Pad. Two thumbs. Yes. Whoa. You're going to see. Point at me. You're going to see us on there. God forbid any lightning shuts us down this time. God damn it. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely a, a very widely viewed stream, too. So we're going to be doing that again this weekend because this fight has definitely warranted the stream to come back. Sure. And Hell yeah. Is, and that is the main event. Oh, mm-hmm. see, segue, segue, yeah. segue. Uh, you see how it is. this. You getting see how it is. Would you like to lead us into this main event? Coach? No, I want you're doing a fine job, Ken. Continue. No, no, no. I was going to let you do it because <laughs> no. this is a big deal. And this has huge historical ramifications on it. This is for your heavyweight title. Stipe Miocic, mm-hmm. nineteen and three, taking on Daniel Cormier, twenty-two and two, and one, and one, no contest. In Cormier's last professional bout, the trilogy fight is on. This is the fight that we've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Huge ramifications. We've seen Miocic uh, winning the last round against him. And we are going to see Daniel Cormier said, after this is all said and done, he is retiring, win, lose, or draw. Supposedly. Supposedly. Allegedly. 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 Brett Favre said he was going to retire once, too. Sure and then did. He came, and then he came back. But looking at the history of Daniel Cormier, I, I fully believe this is it. I don't think that he's going to come back at all. Yeah, I he's he's got to go to Raw Underground. I think yeah. he's a bag oh. of hot air. I think he's a bag of hot air. Oh. Whoa. 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 I, don't, I don't think he's going to retire. I mean, come on. If you win... You're not going to retire as the champion. I mean, they're going to throw the bag at I you. I mean, I, I what are you going to do? A tournament, you know, to name a new heavyweight champion? No, I, I already know what they're. I already know what they're going to do. So, I mean, I can see him retiring just because that's the UFC MMA equivalent of a Jerome Bettis going out on top. Like, hey, nah, I retire champ. It is, but no, I, I don't. They'll throw the bag at him. There's fights lined up for him if he wins. That the, too much money involved. See, this one, I think. There is and there isn't. I I think in, in my heart of hearts, like if you want me to put my bag down on this one, mm-hmm. I think Cormier wins. He says, it's been a great career. I'm done, and I'm out. Because he has really nothing left to prove at this stage. No. Minus beating John. Well, right, oh, but, but he, I said it. But John's not going to come up Elephant to fight in the room. Him. He's not going to come up to fight him at heavyweight, though. Well, then – Tough for Dan. Well, Should have won one of the fights at light heavyweight. Well, well I agree with you. I mean, that's, gonna be, that's always going to be something that is going to be debated. If John came up to heavyweight to fight him, it would have been a different story. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I fully think it would have been a different story. <laughs> that's for you to think. I don't think so. <laughs> I know this. 
But Cormier has been a legendary fighter. Yeah. I mean, his heavyweight record, Pat, I know you got in front of you. Uh, just some of the notable names he's beaten at heavyweight: uh, Derek Lewis, Stepe Miocic. That was a that was a old Derek Lewis though. That not the new version. Okay, right. yeah, that's let's true. asterisk that. Okay, yeah. I mean those are just some of his more recent fights. I'm just saying. I mean, you flip over to Stepe Miocic, just the names he's beaten: Francis, uh-huh. Francis Ngannou, Junior dos Santos, Alistair Overeem, Fabricio Verdum, Andre Arlovsky, Mark Hunt, uh, Roy Nelson. You know, just, he just rolled out the old school. Uh, you know list of things like when they announce people and by names you know he just rolled out the window the roll of decks yeah. of names here oh no, no, it's a very it both have very impressive uh miochitz has more they both have very impressive records of who they've beaten well for daniel cormier though i mean every dc or- beat anderson silva so hey well all right but, let me all let, right let see me. here he goes again you know come on pad let's say we got a note that was in 2016 so that was a very old anderson silva yeah, yeah just like that Derek lewis win Asterisk. Yeah, to clarify, if anybody's not familiar with, Daniel Cormier stepped in on short notice to fight Anderson Silva at 205. And it was a very, very bad match because Daniel Cormier just took him down and wrestled him for three Yeah, of course the sloth did. Yeah, so he took him down, and and that's all that fight was. And for Cormier, though, the rest of the fighters he'd gone, Derek Lewis. He probably really fought at 225. He probably cut the 205, then had himself a Big Mac burger caught himself back up to 225 in a day after some ice cream and some peanut butter sauce and fought at 225 and just laid on him. I have never realized you had this much hate for Cormier. I just, the, it all stems from the John stuff. You know, I mean, listen, if you don't like John, that's fine. I get it. But, like, you know, to really, really lay it on as much as DC did and then try to play like this, like, you know, uh, uh, bipartisan person, uh, you know, when John fights outside of it, it's like, don't be fake. If you're going to call John out, you know, when you fight him, call him out when you don't fight him. Mm. You know, like, don't just, oh, you know, like, when John fought, you know, uh, what's-his-face, he was in John's corner. Like, if you hate the guy, then legitimately hate him. Don't try and play like this, you know, bullshit thing just because you're on ESPN. Call us, do it. You know, you don't like him, don't like him. Yeah, I mean, Bisbing always did a good thing Ex- that. Exactly. Bisbing is the truth. Yeah. Because if he don't like you, he's going to let you know whether you fight. Sonnen's the same way. Yeah. She'll talk, she'll talk shit to this day about John. Yeah. And John beat the living shit out of him. Yeah. And she'll will still talk shit. This is a very true fact. I just, I don't like the two-facedness. Be real. You don't like John, don't like John. But don't sit here and suck up to him when you don't fight him outside the cage. No, it's a very valid argument. I'm not I'm not disputing that, <clears> too, because I mean, you know Cormier tried... Uh, being a little more professional about it. We'll just word it that way. Okay, you word it that way. Yeah. I won't. Yeah, but for his overall career, though, he's he's fought a, a who's who in heavyweight. And, and Miosic, too, longest win streak of a heavyweight champion. Yeah. Yep. And he has beaten everybody, too, including Francis Ngannou. Let's not forget. <laughs> it's very true. Unanim- yeah. Unanimous decision back in 2018. Yeah, which Respect. He, which, which, yeah, which to stand If you can there, go the distance five five minute rounds against Ngannou and live to tell the tale, hats off to you. Sir. Not only win the tale, to win, to win, win. Yeah. Not only well, just tell the yeah. tale, win. Yeah. yeah. But that's where he also uses wrestling to take Ngannou down. He did not stand up and no. Well, I mean, that's called strategy. Exactly. Well, that's also called having called having common sense. Exactly. So at this stage, we now have the trilogy fight between mm-hmm. both these fighters. Give it to me. So, Coach, who you got and break it down. Ready for this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin you guys around here because I'm so bad at predicting fights and all of my predictions always go wrong outside of John and Connor. I'm going to go DC. Ooh, okay. I'm going to put my bet on him because my guys always lose. So let's go DC. Wow. Really, I'm rooting for Michio. Steven. Michio. 
we're gonna have to save that soundbite for a future reference. All right, Pad, who you got? I'm going to say Stipe. Uh, I think he's hungry. He's motivated. DC, I think he's already got his eye on greener pastures. Oh! You know, whatever venture he may go on to once uh, his career's done. Let's talk about that, too. The Gustafson theory, yeah. mm-hmm. if we can call it that. Sure. When you already check out, you know, and you're already, quote, unquote, retiring, you got one foot out the door. I'll say he has been talking about retirement and last fight for quite some time. All right, fuck. I'm going back. I'm picking Stipe. You know, yep, I, I, I just think DC, yeah, he's a champion. Yeah, he's a great fighter, one of the best of all time. You know, where you rank him is your own personal, you know, choice. Bottom. But, you know, I just think I just think Stipe's focused. Stipe's hungry. You know, he wants that belt. He doesn't back. want to retire. You know, he want uh, he, he wants he wants to keep that belt. You know. Don't. Don't. He didn't say he did. DC's talking about it openly. Stop it. There has, there has been some rumor about Miosic also walking. I mean, there's also too. rumors that DC's a, a goon, but, I mean, we, do we have any of that to prove? No. That is just your hatred for DC. Uh, wow. I'm just saying. No, but <laughs> no, but to break this fight down, though, this one is almost even money on the Vegas line, too. Mm. Uh, as of right now, uh, Miosic is a minus 105. Wow. DC, DC's a minus 115. Wow. So this is almost even money if you're going by the betting line. To really try calling this one is tough, but I am going to say it's going to be DC. Okay. And this is why. Miosic has done an incredible job at heavyweight. He's also been more focused on being a firefighter in Cleveland right now, where he stayed where he's it's his hometown. And he's really not fully had his head in the fight game, which is completely understandable because he's trying to help out his community right now. And I, I applaud that. On the other hand, too, you have DC, who has talked all this talk about how it's his last fight, win, lose, or draw. It's been rumored that Miosic has kind of had the same feeling, too, but we have not heard an official, I'm done after this one. Sure. But for Cormier, who is wired different, that if he says this is it, I fully think it's going to be it because I think he's also looking at WWE, and I think he wants to get out of it because he's on that other side of 40 right now. Mm Mm-hmm. So that being said, I think he wants to go out with a win worse than anybody thinks. And I think that if he can say, Dana, it's been real, I'm done, the belt is going to go up against Nganu versus enter the contender here. Because unless it's Miosic, uh, I mean, I can see Derek Lewis getting a rematch Nganu there. Nganu versus Coach Duffy. Uh, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I think they'll be edited into a sound clip to be named later. But I am saying DC is going to win. I think it's going to be a decision. Okay. I think it's going to be a very back-and-forth wrestling match. <laughs> very heavy on wrestling. Yeah. I don't think you're going to see too much striking. Um, I know Miosic can throw some hands. DC has them, but he doesn't like using them too much. He's more using dirty boxing in his wrestling. Yeah. That's what he's known for. So I think this is going to be a split decision. I do think Cormier wins, and I think Cormier immediately says, hey, it's been real. I'm done. And, you know, good luck to everybody else. And then I think it's going to be announced shortly thereafter Francis Ngannou is getting a title shot. Whoever it is against is still up in the air. My pick is going to be Derek Lewis because I think Miosic might say, we've had a hell of a run, my focus is elsewhere, I'm out of here too. And it will be a whole changing of the guard at the UFC heavyweight division. And I don't think that's going to be a bad thing at this stage. There, no. are, there are some contenders. Like we said, Rosenstroke is still around there. Alistair Overeem still hanging on there. Yeah. Uh, Curtis Blades. 
is definitely a name still in there. And they have a, a few fighters that are still in that 15 to 8 range that could always make a run-up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know the only one they've really lost over the past couple weeks is Ferguson over Doom, who has said he's leaving the UFC. Sure. He's going to go to Bellator, which I will say the, the biggest heavyweight fight title they could make in Bellator is Verdum versus Ryan Bader, and that would be easy money right there. And that'll be a fun one to watch, too. So, like 10 years ago, if you told me that fight's happening, I'd be like, oh, hell yes. Now it's like, whoa. Yeah, it's, it's a wild thing to think about. But for the UFC, though, this is going to be a huge fight for them. And this is a trilogy fight that everybody's been waiting for. I mm-hmm. mean, love him or hate him, and we already know where Coach Duffy stands with uh, his feelings toward it. DC and Miosic has always been a compelling matchup. Yeah. Where they go from here is going to be anybody's guess after the fight, and I'm sure that we'll hear something shortly thereafter about Daniel Cormier going to his next endeavor, whether it's just a full-time ESPN analyst or he's going to go to the WWE, which I'm not doubting that happened in one bit. I would be surprised if it's AEW, but I'm going to say WWE is thing isn't even live. I mean, they are missing a third commentator on Friday nights. This is very, very true. <laughs> just saying, they got they got the announcer, they got the heel guy, they need a face guy. Good. I mean, I don't watch SmackDown as is. Now I really won't watch it. <laughs> Perfect. But one thing we'll definitely I'll be, be watching. Sure, I'll be sure to send you every clip imaginable. Oh, <sighs> I will not view it. <laughs> we'll, we'll find it's a way to make that happen. Bad enough that they got a punter coming in and kicking one of their stars in the head and knocking him out. I mean, I don't need to see DC doing something. We'll get that into that a little bit and rounding the bases, but... For something to watch this weekend, though, UFC 252. So definitely stop on over to the Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash 607podcast. Check it out. Interact with us. You can tell Coach Duffy why you like Daniel Cormier or why you can't stand him either. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Go he, ahead. He will engage in that yeah. conversation, folks. It's going to be a fun time. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH, UFC 252. Who's your picks? Who you got? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the fictional battle podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on TheVillainsDemand.com. Hey, this is Vince, the Common Man Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. So coming back for the third segment in this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we're going to do a little extended round in the bases this week because okay. we have a lot to cover. So we're going to kick that off. Support local Excite Wrestling's Drive Up Wrestling mm-hmm. sold out. Yeah. We will be in attendance for that. Uh, more information on that, ExciteWrestling.com, and definitely hit up Johnny Moose on Twitter at ExciteWrestling2. He is answering that, by the way. Which is kind of very surprising. He's not really a big Twitter guy, but lately he's been hitting that very hard. So definitely get in tune to where you can watch all the drive-up wrestling. It's going to be a fun show. You never know. Pad might make a run-in. That's very true. I might. We'll see if we're allowed to do that tag match again. I can't go. I know Coach can't be there, which is very, very sad. Bummer. Yes. But who knows who else you see down there. So definitely ExciteWrestling.com for more information on that. 
So let us start those uh, round on the bases here with a little NBA talk. Yeah. So the season uh, has been slowly winding down. Uh, the biggest surprise thus far, Phoenix Suns. Yeah. 6-0. and oh. The Phoenix Bookers. Oh, break it down That's for true. us, Coach. Well, I mean, Devin Booker is on fire right now. I mean, he's leading this team in points and assists, and he's just absolutely dominating games. I mean, hit a game winner over Paul George and uh, another Clipper with the hands in his face. I yeah. mean, the shots on Instagram, I highly recommend that you go and watch it. Playing very inspired basketball. Yeah, I mean, Draymond Green's on national television saying, get my man out of Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Get- shout, shout out to the subtweet from Phoenix thereafter. Yes, shout out to the fine that Draymond Green got hit 50K. with. Yeah, I mean, that's. I, uh, that, and I, lo- I got to say, I love that tweet uh, Phoenix had after that news came out about Draymond's fine, where they said, we have 50 K in parentheses uh, reasons to love Devin Booker. Yeah, I mean, he's playing great basketball. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely love to see the Knicks make a move this offseason for him, but, you know, I guess time will tell. I mean, you never know. You never know. Um, but, yeah, it's it's fun basketball again. I mean, last night the Lakers uh, played Denver in an awesome matchup that had my full undivided attention except for the terrible TV breaks that they took again, which yeah. made me flip on wrestling at the worst times. Again, please, NBA, I don't know what you're doing, but can you schedule your TV timeouts at a more opportune time? So you're now 0 for 2 in NBA TV timeouts and turning them over to wrestling in the worst possible time. Oh, God. I think it's you just brutal. I, I think you just need to like tough it out through the commercial break, <laughs> check Twitter, check Facebook, check whatever, You know, maybe watch an Instagram video or something, just tough it out through the commercial yeah, break. Yeah, that's what I'm going to have to start doing because, I mean, it was rough. Again, just the worst timing. Uh, uh, the Clippers obviously had a tough loss against the Nets, so they're you know up and down. T.J. Warren was on fire. Oh, up he's until, emerging right uh, now until he ran into the buzzsaw that is the Miami Heat mm-hmm. and uh, one Jimmy Butler, who does yeah. not forget a grudge Oof. at all. No, so he definitely you know played some inspired basketball. Um, and you know we're gearing up for the playoffs here. I mean, Pad, you were, you texted us and said what Am Silver's doing for teams that are no longer uh, going to be playing in the bubble. As soon as they're done, they're playing. Get that you know what out of here. Yeah, got to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah, which is unfortunate because one of those teams are the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, which ends JJ Reddick's streak. I was and wondering my about that. Dark horse, uh, which is very disappointing because I definitely thought that they would be playing better basketball. Yeah, um, but. You know, uh, JJ Redick, Duke boy. Sorry to hear that your streak ended. Yeah, the, um, the picture of the close up when the game was over was <laughs> oh, priceless. Yeah. I, I, I just go back to that tweet when they drafted Zion Williamson first, and him say, "Don't ruin this for me, big fella." Whoops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brandon Ingram, a restricted free agent this year, talks to the Knicks, throwing out a max contract at him. Yeah. Don't mind if I do. Good uh, I'll take some of that action, and uh, yeah, so. Basketball, baby, it's 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 playoffs are gearing up. Yeah, so the Eastern Conference is set. Uh, so your number one seed is the Milwaukee Bucks. Number two, the Toronto Raptors. Three, the Boston Celtics. Four, the Miami Heat. Five, the Indiana Pacers. Six, the Philadelphia 76ers. Seven, the Brooklyn Nets. Gross. And then eight, the Orlando Magic. Over in the Western Conference, uh, all but the eighth seed are locked up. Uh, like we mentioned last week, the Lakers have the number one seed. Uh, Clippers have the number two seed. Uh, Nuggets have the number three seed. Rockets have the number four seed at five are the Oklahoma City Thunder. Six are the Utah Jazz. Seven are the Dallas Mavericks. And then fighting it out for the number eight seed are the Memphis Grizzlies, Portland Trailblazers, San Antonio Spurs, and Phoenix Suns. I hope Portland sneaks in there. Oh, Portland sneaks in there. Because the Lakers want no business to do with them. Nope. 
I, uh, you know, it's actually kind of disappointing. I mean, obviously, everything with sports right now is sad and, and tough with everything that's going on. But, you know, we won't see a Lakers-Clippers series in L.A. in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. How fun would that have been in the Staples Center? Game one, the Lakers are the home team. Obviously, everybody knows the Clippers play out of there, sure, too. Sure. So, you know, it probably would have been maybe a 60-40 split. Maybe even if some Clippers can get on uh, some extra tickets, maybe even more yeah. of a 50-50 split. Yeah. That would, be a t- that would be such a fun series to watch. It'd be fun, but I think the only way for that to happen is if one of them would have to suck, uh, which I don't see that happening in the next couple of years. You never know what could happen there. I, I think that you might see that be a 1-2 matchup next year, too. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. Obviously, they could easily 1-2 this year. It's just they're going to be playing their Western Conference final in the bubble, yeah. which is disappointing because yeah. if it was at Staples, oh, was, I mean, that place would be, crowd. oh, my God. The the Not only the celebrities in attendance for that series would be yeah. amazing, but just the crowd and the, the passion that the Lakers fans have and, you know, these newly emerged uh, Clippers fans. <laughs> hey, I'm just going to, you know, fact to fact here. Um, so they, I mean, they would have had a ton of fun too, you know, going back and forth. And again, I mean, who even knows? I mean, the Lakers might even been able to purge out some of the tickets for Clipper quote unquote home games. Yeah. It would have been a fun scenario, and just with everything going on, too, I mean, who would have thought Portland would still be in the conversation now? Well, I mean, I still in it. I'm, yeah, I mean, Thin Mello is playing some pretty good basketball right and, now. And could you just hypothetically think if it's Lakers-Portland 1-8 and Portland upsets them? Oh, that, I mean, I, I, listen, Dame Lillard um, is a man possessed right now. Yeah, I mean, not only just, not even to mention that, but Dame Lillard in a playoff series is scary shit because yeah. that man has that killer instinct. They you know the Mamba mentality. He's yeah. got, you know, I mean, it may not be exactly Kobe esque, but that man has a killer, killer uh, instinct about him mm-hmm. that when he's in the playoffs, he will haunt you down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I could definitely see that making some noise if they can get in. Uh, Memphis is hanging on there, though. Jay Moran can lead that squad in. Yeah. That's and huge. I wouldn't be mad about that either because, yeah. I mean, John Morant's a ton of fun to watch. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously San Antonio is, you know, San Antonio. So I would love to see them in it too because, I mean, they're just a – it's a time-honored tradition that San Antonio makes to the playoffs. It is. I mean, it's just fun basketball to watch. And, and I love how the narrative is not even like COVID now. It's just we've been talking basketball so long now. Yeah, I, it, which is it's great. true. I mean, the, again, the NBA has done a tremendous do- job, yeah, you know, fully, with all of this. Fully applaud them for everything they've done this and, far. And it's been good. And the fu- and I think the crazy thing is, is it's been good basketball. Oh, Outside yeah. of the fouls that we talked about last week. Right, right, it's right. Been, I mean, James Harden has been awesome. I mean, I don't know if you guys have caught some of yeah, Houston's yeah. games. But, I mean, you want to talk about another guy that's playing like a man possessed. I mean, him offensively is uh, it's poetry in motion. I mean, it is literally like he's painting pictures out there. The way that he, you know, his Euro step and his crossover and the way that he sees the floor, you know, after mm-hmm. pick and rolls. I mean, it is, it's masterful. You know, I mean, he is literally mastering the game of basketball right now. It's truly something fun to watch. So to, to wrap up basketball, though, too, very quickly, mm-hmm. Knicks made a hire for associate hey, head coach. Yes, they did. <laughs> $1.5 million later. Still uh, coming out of the University of Kentucky, Kenny Payne is joining Tom Thibodeau 
on there. Uh, Kevin Knox, ecstatic about this. Yeah, I think actually, and you know what, though? I think this is a great hire for Kevin Knox because I think it gives him a level, level of comfort that he needs right now as far as his development because mm-hmm. he did have a regression last year. Oh, now, you know, part of it was, you know, the back and forth between the starting lineup and the bench. Um, you know, his shooting percentages and everything were down. But I still, you know, and I mean, obviously the Michael Porter stuff is probably messing with him mentally too because Michael Porter, you know, all the Knicks fans right now were, you know, oh, you could have taken Michael Porter, which, listen, at the time, okay. At the time with his back, you can't. Yeah, let's yeah, go can't. back in time here and, you know, not side sidearm quarterback. Michael Porter Jr.'s back was a major issue going into the draft, and that is the reason why he fell to fifteen. If you are not comfortable selecting him at nine like the Knicks had, you have to go with the player that can contribute right away. And let us think about like, this, Let's too. not rewrite history. Yeah, coulda, woulda, shouldas. Yeah. We can say all through the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. But at that stage, for that specific player, his back was exactly. so questionable about maintaining that we could have had the player that we drafted from France instead of Ron Artest. Which I have never forgotten. Right. That we had that chance, but no, we went somebody that had back issues, and we took a shot with it, and look what happened. Right. I mean, you can't rewrite history and say, "All right, Michael Porter was the sure pick," because at draft night, yeah, sure, everybody was like, "Oh, the Knicks peg they pegged Michael Porter Jr. there," but then when the back issues came out, they were like, "You know, maybe they don't want to do this just yet. Let's slow up." You know, and then Kevin Knox was selected. Everybody was like, "Well, who's Kevin Knox?" Blah blah blah. Oh, he's got a ton of potential. Safe bet. Going to be able to contribute right away. Mm. That's what the Knicks needed. They didn't need a guy who was going to sit the bench for 80-plus games like he could do in Denver. Yeah. So, I mean, and hats off to the young man for playing well. Like, I don't mean any ill will towards his career. I'm just saying, like, shut up. Like, yeah. you Knicks haters, shut up. Exactly. The, the, uh, like, you cannot play revisionist history in this because it's just it's not fair. There's no argument for it because unless you got all the facts there, you can't yeah. make that call. You want to shit on the Knicks for taking Frank Nilakina? Fair. Yeah, that's fair. I'll play that game, but not when it comes to this one because it's just not – it's bullshit. No. The Ron Artest one, give a shit for that one. Fair. Oh, yeah, fully. I never forget that not one. Not this pick. But to end basketball on a – we'll say a high note, the AC is still open in the West. There's only a couple games left for the quote-unquote regular season. Who's everybody got making the A seed? Starting with Pat. I would say Phoenix, just as good as they've been playing and as possessed as Devin Booker seems to be playing. Coach? Yeah, it's Devin Booker. I mean, you can't. I mean, you cannot lead against Phoenix and, and what he's doing. So, I, I the hot hand always carries the team to to the run. But now that I think about it, I want Portland. Okay, I'm gonna go with Memphis just because. Uh, shout out to the East Coast Avengers podcast. Uh, they are very big Memphis fans, and I'm just hoping that uh, Booker and company decide to come to the Knicks. So I am just hoping for his. I mean, you got to trade for him first. So, so I know, but you know, we have Thibodeau as our head coach, so anything's possible. So I'm going to say Memphis hangs on for the eighth seed. But if we're going to be talking New York, Uh-oh. we got to talk some hockey. Duck and cover. So, Pad, if you want to put my mic on mute and you can read off the great news that blessed New York. <laughs> yeah, so the NHL had their draft lottery the other night. Let's and, go! And uh, to the surprise of a lot of people, including New Yorkers, uh, who have not had a number one, and I did not know this fact, had not had a number one overall pick for hockey since 1965. It's been a hot minute. 65! They have won the NHL's draft lottery and uh, the right to select consensus number one pick, Alexis. How do you say this last name? 
we're gonna have to figure this out. He's coming. He's coming to New York tonight or last night. Lucky was spelled R I G G E D. All right, so I will jump back in now since my mic is on. Smell something fishy. I don't care if it was rigged. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't. This was a complete shock to a system because last year we got uh, cacao. 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 Yeah. So I was like, okay, I don't want to think lightning could strike twice. Sure. But bam, we got it. Alexis Lafreniere is the next big thing. Sure. Everybody has a mark that he's going to be the savior of the franchise, which I'm just saying this. We have Kreider locked up for a couple more years. Mm-hmm. We have Panarin, mm-hmm. who is signed for six more years. Zabanajad, mm-hmm. not really sure what they're going to wind up doing with him. I think, okay. I th- I, I, the contract escapes me, but I think we still got him for at least one I, more year. I think they have a year left. I think they got a year left, and then we got to make a decision. Shudderkin is going to have a full year to be healthy, and hopefully he's not driving around in the city. Sure. So yeah. we could have another accident that knocks him out for the playoffs. Henrique, I think, stays one more year and maybe does a salary renegotiation to get some more cap space. We got Krastoff coming over finally to the squad. I am just saying for the first time in a damn long time, the Rangers might be able to score some goals. <laughs> I mean, it's been a problem since Nash left. It's been a huge Very problem. True. It's been a huge problem. I mean, you could say this. I think it's been a problem since Callahan left. I'll even go that far. I mean, yeah. Callahan wasn't putting goals in the back of the net. It was all Nash, baby. Well, Na- Nash, Nash Na- getting double teamed and still putting up sixty plus goals. So we got to the playoffs, and then it was well, then, he then he well then he got triple teamed. Yes, but that but they've never really built a team up like this in a long well, in a long time. When two thirds of your salary cap go to your goalie, yeah. right? Which I mean, now they're they're learning from that mistake. And like I said, I don't know if they're going to rework Henrik's contract or not. If I may, yeah, just yeah in, I will let in, you go. Indulge you, me. You, you can put, yeah, I, I'm a big. I mean, I love the Rangers too, Ken. I love them, but I mean, this was brutal. This was a bad look for the NHL. You, I mean, you, people say that every year. Sure, they sure, say it's rigged every year. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, obviously, Minnesota had the highest chances of getting the first pick, and you know, I get it. You don't want to bury a star in a smaller market because business you know new york thriving you know it's a a major metropolitan city and you want your stars there and i get it at the same time though i mean just don't do it live like do it behind closed doors and then just announce the pick because that's not that's not going to reduce the the rigged no it's not but at least you don't look like an idiot because now they look dumb because this was clear i mean from the ball being picked up then dropped and that flood that it made when it hit the other ping pong balls to then the uh, guy who was doing the ping pong ball pickup had to shuffle two hands because the ball was so awkward to then lift out of the suction area um, to him holding it up to it looking like the ball was corrupted, uh, so to speak, and then him placing it back in the tube. Just, just, just do it behind closed I just doors. want to say for posterity and for the record, I do root for the Rangers, but I will go on record saying both the NBA and NHL's draft lottery sure. system are asinine. And I mean, listen, I've got friends who who hate the Rangers because they are the Rangers. And this was a business decision. And the NHL is a business. 
they the NHL is better. And I was speaking about this to my friends because they're like, my all you know my two hockey friends were like, oh, the, nobody cares that the Rangers got the first pick. Well, the headline on ESPN was. <laughs> The Rangers getting the first pick. The headline on NBC Sports, which obviously they talk NHL anyway because they cover it, was the Rangers getting the pick. Sure. The headline on CBS Sports was the Rangers getting the first pick. The headline on Yahoo Sports was the Rangers getting the first pick. So you mean to tell me that the Rangers getting the first pick didn't carry any weight? Because if it was Minnesota, it would have been back page, bottom blimp, Minnesota uh, wild first pick, done. Sports in general do better when the big cities are exactly. involved. The one I can remember was the one year, I think it was 2008, when it was Philly and Tampa Bay in the World Series. Ratings were just god friggin' awful. The following year, it was Philly and New York, and the ratings were through the roof. I just, again, just do it. Just call a spade a spade. Yeah, we, we set this up. You know, don't do it on live television. I will say this. I don't care if it was rigged. We got I the number one pick. Hey, I don't care either because I've been trolling the shit out of my friends and I love it. Yeah. Does anyone ask Patrick Ewing what he thinks? Oh yeah, that's what I said. It was a frozen ping pong ball as <laughs> yeah. far as I care. I don't I honestly I, I look at it like this. You you both bring up great points, and I fully agree too. For the Rangers, this is big news because it's New York. Right. Because let me throw this fact at you. How many first round picks did Edmonton get? Oh, I Too mean God. Money. And, I, and and then but but does anybody remember that taking over a new spot? No, they only remember because it was like five in a row. I'll I'll say this. I you know so That's I. Why I say the system's entirely oh screwed. Yeah, up. I know I know basketball more than I know hockey now. You know, back in the day, I might have been a little bit more knowledgeable, but back now, I know the NBA. And I mean, let's face it, Cleveland got three first round picks after LeBron left. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they rewarded them, you know, by having their biggest star leave, and they didn't want an owner upset. Yeah. So they say. Here, we'll, all right, let LeBron go to Miami, do the trade, and we'll give you three first picks. Clearly rigged. New Orleans last year was Zion. Hey, you know, owner looking to sell the team. Please leave the team in New Orleans like we'll give you Zion Williamson. Boom, done. You know, like these are package deals. It's not, it's conspiracy theories or whatever you want to call it. New York's the same thing. You know, I mean, they obviously, they got the second pick last year. I'm assuming that the NHL probably already knew that New Jersey didn't need Kako and they preferred the defensive-minded center over the offensive scoring Swede. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or Finn. I think he's Finnish, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they, they gave the Rangers the better of the two players. Now here they are. The next year, the Rangers go to the thing when they didn't have to. They were the worst team in the in the bubble. Yeah. You know, probably, you know, a favor to the NHL saying, please go, like, we need the ratings boost by having you in it. They absolutely get obliterated yeah. by Carolina. And now here we are. You know what I mean? So it's, it is what it is. Oh, I know. I fully grant you. I don't like how they do the, the ping pong ball thing. I, I'll be the first one to tell you. I, I've said it for many years. I'm not a fan of it. I think it should be done by records. But when you're worried about teams tanking, and yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole other topic. Which... I, a text from my friend who is a, who's the, the hockey non-Ranger fan. I've come to term, and this is after I've trolled him all day. Please don't I've, be Andy. No, it's Matt, my buddy Matt. Okay. I've come to term either. I've come to terms with the Rangers getting the first pick. Winners don't wingers don't turn teams around like centers do. Look what Edmonton and Toronto's did with their great players. So you know, listen. That's just you know they're going to continue to troll. They think that you know he's going to come to New York and he's going to get buried, you know, in the lineup and everything. And, and the Rangers are just going to bottom him out like they did a lot of other talented first round picks that they've had. But newsflash: 
they're going to turn it around. And just you wait, because now the NBA is going to reward the Knicks and give them the first pick in the draft, too. Like they did with Zion? No, Zion, I listen, I didn't know that New Orleans, they were trying to get out of there. So that was different. Had I known that going into the draft, I would have said New Orleans was getting the first pick. Well, you could even argue that back to when Chris Paul was going to get traded, not traded to the Lakers. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, these are all things that tie in together. Yeah. Now it's the Knicks. No, 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 no. (laughs) These are facts. No, 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 no. This is facts. Now, here we go. The Knicks are going to get their reward for, you know, being bad because they need the Knicks good. They need them good. So why did they wait 15 years? Because they were building up other franchises. How long is it, wait, how long has it been since the Knicks won a championship or since the 90s? Like, why have they waited so no, long? No, it's been since oh, it's 70s. Been 70s yeah. No, yeah, no, I know, but like the, when the Knicks had their run, when the Knicks had their run in the 90s, the like, 90s why, if, if the league needs the Knicks to be good, why the fuck have because, they waited 20 years? Because here's the thing, though, is that they were hoping that the Knicks would be able to turn it around because at the end of the day, the Knicks are still profitable. Yeah. They're still the number one selling team in all of the NBA. So they're not worried about them being bad, but they need them to be good because there's contract, you know, there's TV talks coming up. So they'll reward the Knicks this year, and then the Knicks will do what they do, which is bottom out and suck. But the Rangers, the NHL, listen, the NHL needs the Rangers good. They need them good because they cannot continue to be on NBC Sports buried at 8.05 puck drop times. Mm. They need to be on ESPN, national attention, media markets, number one talk topic – in sports, that's what the NHL needs right now. That starts with the Rangers being good. And to go over the rest of the draft order too, yeah, whatever. Sure, because I'll because I'll give some acknowledgement. Well, oh, no, well, hold on, we're gonna, like, oh, we're gonna come back and talk Rangers. Well, th- yeah. I mean, think about when ESPN covered hockey the most. Yeah, the they, Rangers yeah. were Messier and Gretzky, and you know Lemieux was in Pittsburgh, but it was like it was the Rangers were in the top of that division, and the evil New Jersey Devils were the team that always got in the New York way. That's what the NHL needs. Well, they want to definitely get some more attention brought to it, and obviously how everything they've handled with COVID has been working for them too as well. Yeah, so, but I think because people are just clamoring for any sort of oh, well, I'll, I'll give, sport. I'll give you that, yeah. but, but this is a great time for hockey to shine. Very quickly, though, to recap uh, okay, the draft go ahead, order, Continue. Uh, yeah. Cut my mic off. Ra- Rangers got number one. Los Angeles Kings number two. Number three is Ottawa from San Jose. Oh, how weird. The Kings got two. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Detroit and New York. Detroit four. Ottawa's at five, so Ottawa has two first-round picks in the top ten. Uh, Anaheim six, Jersey is at seven, Buffalo is at eight, Minnesota is at nine, and running out of the top ten is Winnipeg. And to go over the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So because, weird. Yeah. What a New York and L.A. in the top two picks. The conspiracy theory rages on. Weird. Say, I just know my one buddy who's a Detroit Red Wings fan was real happy yesterday that the Rangers got number one. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was thrilled. It's a beautiful day to be on Broadway. Uh, <laughs> to go over, though, they did – get to the field down uh, for the playoffs. So rounding out the Western Conference, the number one seed is the Vegas Golden Knights. They'll be facing the number eight Chicago Blackhawks. Number two, Colorado Avalanche takes on the Coyotes of Arizona. Dallas Stars at number three, taking on Calgary Flames at six. And St. Louis Blues are at four, taking on the Vancouver Canucks at five. In the Eastern Conference, the Flyers got the number one seed. Uh, taking on Montreal Canadiens. Tampa Bay Lightning is a number two, taking on Columbus. Tampa Bay Rangers. I was going to say Rangers South. Yeah, Rangers South. (laughs) So that's who I'm rooting on when the whole thing still. Uh, The Capitals are number three. They're taking on the Islanders at six. So let's go Washington for a week. Uh, The Bruins are taking on Carolina to round out four and five for the seeds. And then they're going to reseed. That is actually the reseed. So one, four, two, three, and such. So when that happens, that'll happen. But 
like I say, looking at that, I like Tampa Bay. Um, Columbus could upset them, though. That's going to be probably my pick of the series to watch because that's going to be some fun hockey. Sure. And looking at the Western Conference, I'm going to say check out the Dallas Stars and Calgary Flames. I think it could be a sleeper series as well. Uh, still going to stick with my picks, though, of Tampa Bay and Colorado getting to the Cup. And then thanks, keep it warm for the Rangers next season. That's a quick turnaround. That's such a turnaround. I'm already going there. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. This, this is why we don't talk hockey on here. Because you know what? It'd just be all blue shirt nation. Yeah, talking. it's like me talking Notre Dame, man. Exactly. I mean, you got to kind of accept when they're not good, Ken. No, I, mean. I refuse to. I need something. This this now inspires some hope. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at the the jerseys online right now. Oh my god. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I just I just hope they don't botch this pick. Like if they don't get uh, Alexis there, I'm just gonna I'll lose it on Twitter that night. I mean, don't they got? They have twelve too, don't they? The they Rangers? haven't. Yeah, they've got the two picks. Got, I believe I was reading that the yeah, other day. Yeah, they've got one and twelve. Uh, not according to the list I'm looking at right now. Oh, so okay. I, I could be wrong. Um, Maybe it was a protected first because I, I, I know I, that they made. I saw that they had a trade with somebody that they got another first. So. Yeah, I'm going by the NHL.com list. All so, right. so yeah, because it ends with uh, Florida's at 12, Carolina from Toronto's at 13, Edmonton's at 14, and Pittsburgh's at 15. And that's where it cuts off. So, oh, all right. All I know is Rangers got number one, and that's all I need. Sure. I'm just hoping they do not screw this pickup because if they it's do, it's kind of hard to when everybody says there's a consensus <sighs> number one. You, you know, but that's, that would be like the NFL draft and somebody not taking Trevor Lawrence, no matter yeah. who your quarterback is. But that's why they got to take Lafreniere. That would be like Tampa Bay, the Bucks, going zero and sixteen and having a forty-plus-year-old Tom Brady staring at Trevor Lawrence at one and being like, "Now nah, we're right out, Tom." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just common sense will prevail. Yeah, so let's hope they don't screw that up. But there, I mean, so much hockey to be talking to. That's the one thing I love talking hockey. Ooh, but, but, I wonder why we're talking about it. Yeah, because it's the Rangers. That's yeah. why. Yeah, well, that's why. You know, there's my theory. If you want us talking some other hockey, you'll just have to hit us up on that conversation. Let us know who is your team now. No, because hockey's irrelevant when the Rangers aren't relevant. Oh. At least here on the ODPH it is. Sure. But we'll still talk that hockey because I'm still watching Rangers South, a.k.a. Tampa Bay. Sure. So we'll have to see how the rest of the Stanley Cups play out. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the Rangers getting the number one pick in the NHL draft? What are your thoughts about the NBA and how they're winding down the season? Who gets that last spot in the Western Conference? So much sports to talk about. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. I just want to get it, I just want to comprehend that I have to make amends. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Continuing rounding those bases. We got some extra bases to talk about this week. Mm-hmm. So, Pad, why don't you carry us through here? Sure. Going to talk a little baseball first, a weird statistic. Uh, tonight, the Toronto Blue Jays, either tonight or relatively soon here in the next couple of days, the Toronto Blue Jays will play their first, quote-unquote, home game of the new season uh, up in Buffalo at Salem Field, which is uh, the home of their AAA affiliate. Some conversions have been done, and they've been adding some stuff. Apparently, they got some lighting borrowed from the Field of Dreams uh, field that they're not using this year. Interesting. But uh, read a weird statistic. Uh, this will be the first time in the Blue Jays' 43-year history that they are playing a home game on a field that is not AstroTurf. 
Wow, that's a crazy set. Yeah, baseball's real weird like that. Uh, moving on to some other more, I guess, more interesting baseball news. Uh, I'm sure as many of you saw on Sunday, there was a benches clearing incident, a little brouhaha yeah. between Oakland and Houston asterisks uh, between outfielder Ramon Lorena, Loreno uh, and then asterisks hitting coach Alex Cintron. Uh, for those of you who didn't see uh the uh, Oakland batter Loreno had been hit three times in the series and twice in that same game, all without uh, Oakland doing anything to kind of retaliate. So he kind of jawed a little bit at the pitcher, went to first base, uh, and then uh, hit uh, Houston Asterisks hitting coach uh, Cintron started yelling at him. And then in uh, Loreno's words, uh, quote, said in Spanish, something you don't say about my mother, close quote. Yikes. So, uh, that prompted uh, Loreno to charge at the Houston uh, dugout and started a bit of a brawl and, and such. Uh, we do now have uh, the punishments that have, that have been handed down. Uh, the uh, Oakland Athletics outfielder Ramon Loreno has been suspended six games. And Houston Astros hitting coach has been Alex Cintron has been suspended 20 games uh, for their roles in the incident between the teams. Both players have been received have received an undisclosed fine. Uh, you know, not sure how people figured this out, but apparently in a normal 162 game season, uh, Alex Cintron's ban would be 52 games, which is really long. Yeah. All right. So that makes sense. Yeah. It is the longest suspension ever handed out to a manager or a bench coach or, you know, person of position in major league baseball history. Uh, obviously not getting like the Pete Rose lifetime ban type thing. Right. Right. That's on, on the field stuff. Yep. Different stuff there. Yep. Uh, in a statement released Tuesday, Cintron said he accepted the suspension and, quote, will learn from this, but denied referencing Loreno's mother. He acknowledged his uh, actions were inappropriate. He said, quote, I apologize for my part in Sunday's unfortunate incident. As coaches, we are held to a higher standard and should be an example to the players. Hopefully other coaches will learn from my mistakes so that this never happens again in the future. Close quote. Uh, very deserved. So you're a hitting coach. You know, your focus is on your guys hitting well. You shouldn't be jawing it another guy on the field especially when you've had the easiest job in the planet the last two years yeah fuck houston <laughs> you just saying uh also in some baseball news uh according to espn uh their baseball is having preliminary talks about a bubble type plat- format for the playoff uh according to jeff passan uh major league baseball has had preliminary discussions about holding its postseason in a bubble type format after the coronavirus outbreaks on the st louis cardinals and miami marlins uh, that wreaked havoc on the regular season schedule illustrated how a similar scenario could upend the playoffs sources familiar with conversations told ESPN. Uh, although a fully contained bubble similar to the NBA setup at the Walt Disney world resort in Orlando, Florida would be difficult for major league baseball to replicate a multi-city form- format that replicates the NHL's Toronto and Edmonton hubs has gained traction sources said, I think this makes all the sense in the world. It, like we said a couple weeks ago, it's goddamn near impossible to do a bubble type format for major league baseball just in terms of finding enough uh ballparks hotels and just everything else i think it's real easy to do with you know however many teams are in the playoffs it's not the normal number it's expanded a little bit this year because of you know the shortened season i think it's totally doable if you do one in, in new york because you've got city field you've got yankee stadium and then you do maybe wanting in, down in California because you've got uh, Dodger Stadium, you've got Angel Stadium, you've got the Oakland Coliseum where the A's play. You got three right there. You got the Giant Stadium too, which you is got a Giant Stadium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got plenty. I think I think they can make it work. 
I think so too, Coach. You got any feelings on that? I think it would be smart to to do mm-hmm. uh, when you can you know limit the number of teams. Uh, obviously, it's shown that the NBA and the PLL and NHL, the bubble format, you know, of keeping your players in yeah. some sort of quarantine works. Yeah, and you know, the last thing you need to have happen is mid playoff. You know, a team comes down with you know a couple cases yeah and then you shut your playoffs down right and another one that comes to mind chicago you know you've got wrigley field wrigley and uh, the old white Sox stadium plus you've got soldier field there that you know, i'm sure you can convert into making a play maybe i mean it just makes all the sense in the world i realize the tradition is to you know the two two teams playing in the world series trade games go back and forth but with travel and, and the risk of getting everything different it, yeah you know i know what the yankees uh the only times they are taking planes is when they have to go to uh play the marlins the braves and the rays outside of that because ever all their other teams you know the mets uh the phillies the red sox the blue jays and what have you they're all in relative they're busing they're, yeah. just, they're just taking buses so outside of the go having to go to florida or georgia down south they're ta- they're taking buses you know so it just makes all the sense in the world to just have you know not have something get upended because if you had to travel cross country or halfway across the country to just have them in a local city and play the games there Smart move by him. So doing anything to keep your players safe and yeah. keep the season moving, pff, I'm all for it. Absolutely. So go ahead and do it. Coach, I got my glass ready. All right. Take, get, get it ready. Uh, the PLL wrapped up their season uh, with the championship game. Yeah, the championship game series on um, Sunday. Uh, the uh, Whip Snakes ended up winning the game. Uh, the chaos went up 6-2 to two at halftime. And then Zed Williams happened, and he poured in six goals Um to win, I mean, the Chaos never even scored a goal in the second half. The Whip Snakes won 12 to six for their second straight championship. Uh, Zed Williams ended up becoming the uh, team or the league MVP, contributing 20 goals this year, uh, and a really nice, um, you know, obviously a, a player from Six Nations, uh, and a nice tradition, you know, for you know the the spirit of the game and everything. Uh, actually, held his stick during the championship. Because his, you know, as people might know in lacrosse, you know, your stick is an extension of your body. Um, so, you know, he wanted to honor his stick that treated him well. So he held his stick during the cup. Actually, didn't pick up the championship and just held his stick the entire time during the award ceremony. So, you know, a really nice touch there to wrap up uh, the weekend for the PLL. You know, no players. Uh, ended up coming uh, contracted coronavirus. Um, a lot of great lacrosse was played, you know, outside of the championship game, which was our, you know, one of the biggest uh, score differentials that they had. Uh, the chaos was the seventh seed, uh, the bottom seed that ended up making it all the way to the playoffs. So it was a, a lot of good lacrosse. And uh, in a little uh, sidebar of uh, subtweets here, uh, Matt Rambo, who was last year's MVP, had a nice little hot take on his Twitter account, which I retweeted, and it's pretty funny. Uh, I quote, I have two takes, tucked-in jerseys and high shorts are not a thing, and workout videos don't pr- and don't perform in the league is a thing. Sorry. Uh, you know, <laughs> arguably, uh, tweets, you know, that could have been sent in the direction of uh, founder and Atlas player Paul Rabel uh, and a couple of his friends that are on the team who are known for tucking in the jerseys. Um uh, so, you know, nice little storyline to write, you know, yeah, obviously. I was say. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. You know, Rambo was a lot of fun. They mic'd up the players. Um, so Rambo had a ton of great takes, you know, as far as uh, the interaction that they had with the players. Uh, if you haven't seen the Matt Gaudet exchange with Blaze Reardon, 
I highly recommend you go out of your way. Uh, don't take it with a grain of salt. It was all in good fun, but uh, Reardon uh, got a lot of shit from Gaudette, and that was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, great lacrosse. I'm looking forward to next year. It'll be interesting to see, you know, who comes and who goes with obviously two professional leagues and, you know, players able to pick and choose where they go. So that will be, you know, fun and, and just, you know, obviously if you can go out of your way to watch, you know, it on NBC if they replay it, I recommend doing it. It was a lot of good lacrosse this year. And it was, you know, one of the first sports that during the coronavirus came up with the idea of the bubble. Um, you know, they had announced it before the NBA had finalized their talk. So, I mean, they're, uh, uh, you know, as far as that goes, you know, the leaders, uh, I would say, in this format. And it was successful. So it just goes to show that, you know, you can keep your players safe and still put a good product on the field. Yeah, and the games have been fun, though. I haven't caught a lot like I was, I've talked about here. I've, I have tried watching, so yeah. I can talk with Coach about it a little bit. No, they've been definitely entertaining. And, and to pull off the example, too, which I don't think they've gotten enough credit about, they've been able to run their league. Their players have been safe. You haven't heard any major outbreaks. No, I mean, the NBA got a lot of – I mean, a lot of the guys were, you know, I think GQ ran a story, and they were like – or not GQ, I can't remember the media outlet, but they were like, hey, slow down. The PLL came up with this bubble idea first. So, you know, that was great to see that, you know, they were trying to get their recognition. And, I mean, the game was on national broadcast company. I mean, it was on NBC. You know, I mean, it was – you can't, you know, I mean, for years growing up, you know, the the semifinals were on ESPN2, and they were aired at, like – 10 you know 11 o'clock and 130 you know times that are difficult to watch and you know the national championship game if there wasn't baseball being played on memorial day you know were played at 12 o'clock on espn you know and had two hours of coverage and start and finish and no you know post game or halftime show or anything i mean the nbc gave the pll you know free reign to have a broadcast they brought in an additional 30 minutes of television coverage because there were so many uh, companies looking for advertising during it that they said, hey, we're going to give you an extra 30 minutes. So they actually got a pregame show. So that's awesome. I mean, it just, it makes me happy to see the growth of the sport. You know, I love it so much and, you know, my son now plays it. So, you know, I look forward to seeing the PLL continue to grow and hopefully next year things will be back to normal and I can get to a game. We're all optimistic for that. Yeah. The only thing we can do is enjoy the moments we get to watch sports. Exactly. And And I'm sad it's ended (laughs) because it it was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, it's on to uh, the next sports. And, you know, we're just hoping everybody has a bigger future with live crowds. Yeah, sure. You know, back to everything normal, I guess, in 2021. Man, it's so weird saying that. But one thing that has not taken a break has been the world of pro wrestling. Yeah. And you know we like to run the ropes and give you the latest of what is going on. And we did allude to it a few segments ago. It has now been made official for NXT TakeOver. Adam Cole Bebe. is taking on one Bebe. Pat McAfee. Mm-hmm. Now, there was an online question posed by uh, our good friend Colin Ginter. If you're not checking out his Twitch channel, you definitely need to check him out. Uh, and he was he posed this question, and I want to bring it to the panel. Is Pat McAfee a draw to make you want to watch? For, outside, for views outside of the normal wrestling viewership. Yes. Okay. There's, there's a reason I forget the specifics, but he, he announced some, he's got like some massive deal with FanDuel. You know, he's, I follow him on Twitter. He's always tweeting about FanDuel and, and lines and this and that. So he's got some massive deal with FanDuel. He's on, uh, Dazen, Dazen, Dazen. He's on, he's like, his his show, his show is broadcasted on Dazen, you know? So, you know, he, he, the man, you cannot deny, love him or hate him, you cannot deny that like he, he's established a fan following, a cult-like fan following, if you will, where 
it's not and and there's a little bit of overlap between wrestling fans and his fans but there is also a large contingent of his fans that are not pro wrestling fans that are football fans and just sports fans so in terms of like trying to bring you know the one thing i think wwe is always in AEW and roh and, and in new japan you know any big wrestling federation is trying to do is always try to bring in new eyes because you know you can only do so much with the same eyes you got watching you always need to bring in new eyes and, you know, I get trying to bring him in and bring in a new set of eyes and you try to bring his fan following in there that is not a pro wrestling fan. I understand that. I get that. I don't agree with it because why waste a person of Adam Cole's talents for a match with Pat McAfee? Yeah. I, I, coach? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I'm not it, – it doesn't do anything for me. I mean, I think that – I know he does the you know the pre-show and all that stuff, and I you know I, I assume that he is a, a true wrestling fan. I just I don't know. It doesn't like when Stephen Amell did it. You mm-hmm. know, I felt the passion. Yeah. You know, and the genuine like excitement that he had. You know, doing this that and the storyline fit. You know, with what they were doing with Cody and um, uh, the four fifty guys. Well, or, oh, oh, no, no, Neville. Me. Neville, yeah, that you felt the the genuine like excitement that he had. You know, this is a little bit different. Where I just Adam Cole to me is a top level tier star mm-hmm. that doesn't need to be put in this match. No, you know when there really isn't any buzz around it. It's a little bit different than like when Rowdy Piper fought. You know, Mister T like. That was a different era. You know, Roddy Piper was a main heel, you know, and uh, Hogan, you know, he didn't need to be with Hogan to continue his growth versus like Adam Cole right now. I think, you know, given the era that we are in this business mm-hmm. needs to be in some sort of hot take feud, you know, toward or on the main roster even like he needs to be doing something that's top tier yeah. and not some sort of like monotonous one-time shot in the arm just to try and get a little buzz for, you know, a crowdless takeover. Yeah, and I, I think the difference between maybe a Stephen Amell and Pat McAfee is when I remember when Stephen Amell was there, was his match happened. We all remember he does those stunts himself. Yeah. You know, he does the salmon ladder or whatever that is. He does that in real life. Look up the video from the Red Nose Day uh, Ninja Warrior thing he did. Mm. He does that legitimately. Sure. Legitimately. So there was kind of an excitement level of like, okay, this guy, like, trains in stuff that might not be your normal wheelhouse of stuff this could be really interesting to see pat mcafee he's funny he's got some funny segments that i've seen clips of on youtube he's a funny guy but when it comes to like and i get he's a punter and he's an athlete it's just the connection doesn't make it for me of like oh yeah i want to see you wrestle in a ring agreed yeah for me this isn't moving the needle I think it's a waste of time. Yeah. I don't get the love affair with McAfee. I'm not a huge fan of him, but I get why people like him. So I'm not, and if you like, if you're a fan of him, I'm not saying, you know, anything bad against you. I just, I don't, I don't get his appeal personally, but that's me. And for wasting Adam Cole's talents for a one-off, which I'm assuming this is, at this it's got to be. I don't see where you can continue this moving forward. Yeah. Unless you make him a manager or somebody. But yeah. Who? But that, but, but, but even still, I mean, it's just, he doesn't have the the the, the yeah. Yeah. you know. He doesn't have that, you know, like of a top tier, like oh, so you know, so and so brought in, you know, like he's just a a guy who hosts a radio show who can speak outlandishly sometimes and has a hot take here or sure. there. That was a punter that was known for being physical. And as somebody who follows him on Instagram, I'm like, yeah, he's physical. Yeah, he's cut. Yeah, he's got muscles. And and I get he posted that 
training video of him doing bumps and doing swantons and stuff off the rope. The only video you ever see him post on on Instagram of training is doing a stairmaster. Yeah, and, and it's always a. It starts with oh, over under. Do you think I'm going to get over or under this many steps? Yeah, and it's always over. Like that's the only thing you ever see him doing workouts. That's what I mean. Like aesthetically, it's like I don't see him like he doesn't scream wrestling fans. Right, and I mean like for an Adam Cole that should be in a position like, you know, I don't know. Uh, trying to get his title back or you know maybe you know him and uh and the uh oh my god the name of the group brand yeah the undisputed era you know they could be in a in some sort of you know cage match or some sort of four-way tag match or something you know with some of the feuds that they have and you know you could put him in like maybe with a gargano you know like a uh nxt stalwart i know gargano is a heel but yeah nonetheless you still could have done that or you know put him up against you know somebody else just adam cole does not feel like the right person to put him in with this no he doesn't and that's why i say it was kind of puzzling to see that they're going to do that especially for takeover which is going to be the 30th takeover if i'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken yep yep. and that's gonna be taking place uh the night before SummerSlam next week so we'll Mm -hmm. definitely be previewing the card uh it's already kind of weird to think that SummerSlam's already here nxt takeover and that's all 22nd 23rd summer's almost over i know but (laughs) it's so weird to think just with everything that's been going on yeah this you know because the wd hasn't missed a beat and just i know with everything going on with COVID, it just doesn't feel like normal, no right you know normal shows no because even if you take a look at monday night raw when they're trying to build it up raw was okay for the first half sounds like i'm glad um, i didn't see it yeah it, it was well the one thing they've been doing right is samoa joe apparently is healthy okay and he is building they're slowly planting the seeds for him versus seth rollins right okay which he's been the one that's been defending dominic mysterio mm-hmm. ray's son who they have now booked seth versus him at SummerSlam. oh that'll which, put butts in the seats yeah which i will say this i give dominic a lot of credit yeah sure because yeah. last night he took they oh said my God. thirty kendo stick shots. Listen, I saw the photo. Oof. Yeah, so it, that was on during the Titan Games. Yeah, and I and Aaron, my wife, we were Sean, like get back to the Titan Games. But I was just watching, whack, 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 and I was I was like I can't turn this off right now i just want to see how far they'll go yeah no it was just absolutely crazy it almost reminded me in a very lesser sense of like when mankind was handcuffed and the rock was hitting me in the head with chairs sure at the window mercy it was just like it was that brutal and i know i was talking with a few pods online about it and i'm like oh my god like what the hell i give him a lot of credit so i mean dominic i yo he had some welts yeah he was definitely earning a lot of respect for for taking that and i think that they have signed him officially to a deal Okay. Um, to, yeah, to whatever the degree is, I think after this he's going to go to NXT, and I don't think he'll be Probably. on the main roster, which no. I think would be smart for him. So this one, like I said, the only thing that was really moving the needle was the Samoa Joe mm-hmm. uh, sure. setup, which sure. anytime you get Joe on the mic and he's cutting those amazing promos, it's great. We'll say that, what was it, the last week where Rollins went to confront Oh, uh, yeah. Tom Phillips and Joe stood up and I couldn't help but think I'm like I feel like I'm watching a mafia movie right now yeah. they're like they're like they're like somebody's coming to confront the mob and they're at dinner or something and Joe's like the enforcer like yo hold on a second well you know if the crowd was there it would have been Joe's gonna kill you yeah. I mean that's just something again yeah. that you miss with the live crowd not being yeah there. yeah I mean he has such instant credibility you can plug him in with anybody and I think oh, that yeah. that's a smart move to do yeah. building that feud if he's coming back so I I can't wait to see that but for the, overall the rest of the show. 
was more of wash, rinse, repeat from the week prior. I mean, that's normal for summertime, but even more so given the current circumstances. Well, you would think they would try building up for SummerSlam a little bit more, and they did do something. Asuka defeated Bailey, Sure. so now she's going to fight Sasha for the Raw Women's title, which that was a great match. I I really enjoyed watching that. But everything else on the show was just kind of like it's there and nothing really moving too much. And then the stuff that they're really trying to push is being real hip and edgy, so mm-hmm. to speak. Oh, whoa. The, the, the new faction Gross. is is awful. Mm-hmm. The, the retribution. The yeah. door, the throwing the cinder block through the door, that was brutal. That was, yeah, that was such guys, a... Guys, guys, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, yeah. I mean, that was just cheesy and uninspired at best. And then, I'm sorry, you broke the door with one cinder block. Why are you throwing an empty, another cinder block through an empty door? Like, right. That, that was just stupid. And then not do anything with yeah. that. Yeah. Like mistakes. Yeah. Like, you just, I mean, go in there and, like, take something. Like, maybe there could have been a belt or, like, mm-hmm. an heirloom of something. Like, yeah. take it. Don't just shatter the door. Like, it feels like it's trying to be a, a, a political mm. ploy, you know, given the current times. Like, I feel like they're trying to make a commentary on that and try and catch you know, lightning and bottle and be edgy, you know, with, you know, some of the riots that are going on and well, stuff. Well, you would think that, but they made a deliberate point of when they were previewing or th- that I read online that it is not that. Well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't look good when you have guys throwing cinder blocks through the door and no, then running away. No, I know. Yeah. You know? Yeah, this whole gimmick is just stupid. It's, hey, yeah, listen, it's, listen, it, it, listen, shout out our truth 38 times 24 7 10. Yeah, sure, sure, that was a positive. That, that, that was, was a, a great he's moment. Now, he's now, he's not only a, past rick flair he's doubled him i mean and the yeah tozawa and the ninjas thing yeah like they've gone more to the entertainment side than the sports side of sports entertainment well which this is not working right now to draw ratings i'm having you know especially the ninjas showing up again i'm having flashbacks of that whole summer where it was the bunny yeah like yeah where i'm like why is this happening yeah it's just a bad gimmick and they're running with it and i know fans are very opinionated about it and I understand it's pro wrestling. It's supposed to be fun. And, I mean, you, you, you got t- you three t- hours to fill. And, yeah. But the thing of it is, though, is like normally during these tumultuous and turbulent and kind of down times where things aren't as good, the fans can be vocal. The fans the fans can boo. The fans can do this. They can't do that right now because yeah. there are no fans in attendance. And let's face it, yeah, Vince is on social media, but I guarantee you he's not checking it. Oh, daily. Well, and he, I guarantee he you he's has. not even actually the one posting things on his own social Hell media. No. So. For as much as fans might hate it, word ain't getting to him. No, word's not getting to him. But like I say, you get the angles like with the Kira Tozawa right now, and they're wasting his time, in my opinion. You get the retribution group, and that's just corny, and that's a Nexus wannabe, yeah. and that fails miserably. And then the cherry on the crap Sunday, <laughs> Raw Underground, yeah. Which, yeah. which yet again, uh, they did take away the dancers. So they weren't oh. there, which ironically, Liv Morgan put out a tweet saying, "Next week, can we bring him back?" <laughs> like, like it's a it's a funny tweet you get if you check her uh, Twitter. Um, and the only thing they did there, like they opened, they had Riddick Moss. Did anybody still remember he was on the roster? Nope. nope. Facing, I literally thought it was Dolph Ziggler Jr., but it's yep. Cal Bloom. See, so yeah, you're making me yawn right now. Exactly. That's legitimacy. Yeah, and like they had a, a very bad quote unquote match. They did bring up Arturo Ruas, who, is, unless you've been really watching NXT, he's a legit Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I saw okay. that they were yeah. talking about that, and they okay. said that this is the perfect spot for him. Oh, yeah, it's perfect for him. But the guy he was against could not keep up with him. And I, you, you just see, like, it, it was, like, for a big debut, and especially I've seen Ruas wrestle, and he can go. Sure. I just, the problem is if you're going to do a work shoot, you got to do it the Thatcher-Riddle uh, match yeah. from NXT. 
Like it has to be that style where you've got two legitimate shooters that can go in and they can grapple and make it look good. Well, did you hear who threw his name out there? They're like, yeah. hey, hey, Shane, you want to show these guys how this is actually done? Give me a call. Did you hear who threw his Ken name? Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock. But, I'd love to see that. But, I mean, what makes sense about that is he can work shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you have to have a, le- uh, a bit of legitimacy. Like, when they brought in the Hurt Faction, like, those guys, you know, Shelton Benjamin, MVP, you know, they have a background in – you know, jujitsu and, you know, wrestling for, um, for them. And and it makes sense. But when you have Joe Schmo, who, you know, was, uh, a guy who was a former football player who they trained at NXT come up and say, all right, this is the next big thing. Like, it doesn't make sense. You got to get two guys in there that can tell that dance that can tell that story. And if you don't have that and one can, and one can't, that's what we're getting right now is the end product. Yeah, and even though they finally had Shayna Baszler show up, right, which would have made perfect sense, they had her fight three women. Right. right, and that doesn't work. And it was like, we 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 know how badass Shayna is, but for how you're doing this in it, a work shoe, yeah, three on one is going to kick your ass every time. Yeah, period. And then and then even top it off too. Last week we left the hurt business, took it over. There was no mention of them. Right. Well, they well, were that, busy. That, well, that's WWE storytelling to a T. They yeah. were they were busy doing their the M, the MVP trying to get the United States title match. Yeah. So I mean, if like whatever this is supposed to be, it's just not working over well. No. And like even I started dozing off watching this because I got so bored with it. I missed most of the Ric Flair Randy Orton segment, even though they they wrote off Ric Flair by getting the punt by Randy yeah. due to retribution messing with the lights. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Oh, see, I, I did because I, I didn't watch, but I caught that clip because I read an article. I was like, wait, did they really do that? Was that retribution or was that just them trying to like, yeah, we're not going to show him actually punting a 60 plus year old man on live television. They've been doing it. The retribution is causing issues with the lights and, and tampering with the show. See, I feel like that's just their excuse. The, they didn't actually want to show. Well, I'm sure 60, they did, but that's how they, they wrote it off. No, yeah, that's how they wrote it off. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, like like, yeah. like it was just it was bad, and even for like trying to get excited about the Randy Orton work, which he's been doing great work yeah. lately. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. He had well, a, again, he had, an inspired Randy Orton is a great Randy. Orton. Yeah, I mean, he had a great match with uh, Kevin Owens, which I rewatched. So that being said, it's like it's taken away from the buildup you're supposed to have with him versus Drew at Mania because it's like the show has not been good enough to carry through. I'm hoping to be surprised next week. I mean, we're gonna probably preview the NXT card and the SummerSlam card as well. But mm-hmm. for going into it. For being the flagship show, it was really a weak show. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And SmackDown has been worse. That's why I'm not even talking about it. Yeah. I, cu- I couldn't, I'll be honest, I couldn't tell you one thing that's going on with SmackDown. And I realize I don't watch SmackDown because I'm usually busy on Friday nights. But I at least catch wind of something on Twitter or I see something on, on Facebook or YouTube. I legitimately can't tell you one thing going on on SmackDown. I know that Bray attacked bliss oh, and that's all right that, all right that's a lie I, that's the only thing i yeah. know well he did the one week and it was the super creepy it was bad yeah. like it ended the show it was real bad and like i we were very vocal about it on the wrestling show this week on uh 3fn they did a follow-up this week which was weird and they had alexa sit in the ring and she touched she touched bray's face so with like a she caressed it yeah it was weird and then like he like freaked out like he freaked out and then they had brawn appear via screen from wherever he's been it was just it was another train wreck segment. It sounds like, like I'm glad I'm not watching it. No, I'd be glad you're not watching. There, the only thing that's worth watching on SmackDown, in my opinion, is Matt Riddle. Yep. And there's Bro. yeah, they're setting up a great feud. They even have like Chad Gable was looking somewhat uh reputable, and then they had him get completely punked out by Sheamus. 
That makes sense. Yeah, because like he's like they're teasing like a heel turn with Gable that he's working with Corbin. No, but, but yeah, but no, because there's a bounty out on Matt Riddle. So Ugh, yeah, no, like that's happening. Not Corbin. Yeah. So Ugh. like I say, between that and the only other thing worth watching, they let when they let Sony Deville cut a uh, shoot and like let her actually rip on the mic. She's actually very good. Sure. But yet again, we're still fighting Mandy Rose and we're still doing that storyline, which should have been done months ago. Like I think you should give her somebody else, and then I would love to see Sonya versus Alexa Bliss. I Does Otis good. still have the briefcase, by the way? Yep. Yep. So that went. Yeah, this was sitting there, and it's a it's by the wayside because they've been setting up this whole heavy machinery versus Miz and Morrison feud. Because well, so, I remember with, when Rollins had the the briefcase, because I think that's the last time outside of Brock that somebody carried it for a length of time that wasn't already like pre planned. I remember when Rollins had the briefcase. You could, you, they didn't go a week without him seeing him on TV with that thing. Yeah, Something I think, I, and honestly, like if he's brought it out, SmackDown has been that bad. I've forgotten about it. Yeah, yeah that's what be. I'm saying. Like that, I, that's the thing. Like and I, and I remember, obviously, some of it was goofy segments. You know, Dean and, and the and the Nickelodeon slime coming out and hitting guys over the head with it. But like you remember back to that time, you did not go a week without seeing it. And yeah. some sort of tease. Or, yeah, or yeah. like it got involved in some way that like, I remember when Seth went to cash that thing in, it was dented six ways from Sunday. Yeah. And you not know? even to mention like they were talking about maybe him doing using the tag team, mm-hmm. you know, that he was going to use it for a tag team title shot. And now it's like, again, like, I, I mean, I know I'm not following it, but it's like you don't even hear it being mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've wasted that right now. So unless they do a big turnaround at SummerSlam, I'm not holding my breath on it. No. We'll have to wait and see. Sure. So this week's wrestling, the only one that's sticking out, but I know I won't be watching it live, is AEW's Tag Team Appreciation Night, I believe. I know you're disappointed. Yeah, I'm, yeah, really I'm, shutting, not. I'm shutting my tear right now, but it's Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, series finale. So, ah, true. So I'll definitely be missing that, so I'll have to catch on the replay. But that's the only one that's really had any storylines getting generated. Whatever that's going to be, wait and see. Sure. But we'll definitely have something to talk about next week with that. Yeah, I won't watch it, but sure. Yeah, I'll just give the recap. I'll be like, I, my my job is to say this is what we're talking about. What do you think? So yeah, and I'll it. say, tell me what I'm supposed to say, think. Ken. Say for NXT, hopefully Shotzi Blackheart finds her gear because it was, uh, she said this morning on Twitter that her car got stolen. Yikes! Oh, with no. her with her gear and with all of her gear in it. So she said, if you find if you if you wonder why I'm wrestling in street clothes this week, that's why. Oh, that oh man, that's I was awful. hoping it was a Stone Cold situation where you just no. won, forgot your forgot no, your trunks. No, her car got stolen. And that it had sucks. All of her gear, including her helmet in it. Hey, Jeez. come on. Grow up. Uh, so if any of our listeners are in the Florida area. Find it. Go to her Twitter. She posts the make, model, color, and even the license plate number. Perfect. If you see it, call the proper authorities. Yes, absolutely. So hopefully she finds it very, very quickly because Shotzi's awesome. Yeah, no, that entrance is probably one of the best things in NXT right now. Yeah. So much wrestling to discuss, but definitely you want that more wrestling talk. Head on over to twitch.tv slash 607 podcast Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're actually doing the wrestling show live on Twitch now. So definitely stop over, say hi, join the conversation, and follow up with us here at the ODPH about all the wrestling topics and everything that you've heard on this edition of the ODPH, which kicked off with some Fair City Fire music. They're friends from Austin, Texas. They're a great band. You definitely need to be supporting them. Shout out the Robots, Floodlands, and every great band you hear on the ODPH. Where do you find it? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You can also stop over to the ODPH directory and check out our friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. Still, Pat has not accepted his apology. 
Nope, that dead silence means it's <laughs> still it's still cold in this room right Yikes. now. Tom's going to have to really win bat, pad back over. I don't know if he can do it. Yikes. You can find out links to Excite Wrestling, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, and voter registration. And you can check out all the amazing pod groups we are in via their Pod Chaser pages. So shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to Pod or the Apocalypse, rather, because they're having a big pod raid right now, which I'm reading and getting messages about. And shout out to hashtag 67 Podcast, Rich Ron, and hashtag Big Nanny Cool Diesel is still on Twitter, Pat. Oh, boy. Yes. Coach, have you interacted with Diesel on Twitter? I have had the pleasures once, yes. You take a walk on the wild side when you when you chat with Diesel. Never know what's coming back your way. No, you don't. It's live content that's not behind a paywall, but if you want to find out what is behind a paywall with all the content that they're delivering, and especially with Horizon 607, shout out to Mike C. You can go over to patreon.com slash 8122productions and find out for yourself. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. And at ochodoropolyar.com, you can find links to twitch.tv slash 607podcast, which we're doing a lot of streaming this week. We'll be doing... Thursday night on the wrestling show, and then Saturday night, the big UFC card live streaming. You never know who's going to stop by and say what. Hopefully, lightning does not strike the building this time. We'll be all happy about that. So much more you can find at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and good luck. For the one only Padawan J. Go Yankees. Right on. I'm your host, Ken M. By the way, the Rangers still got the number one pick. Rigged. We ain't giving it back. We ain't giving it back Rigged. at all. Never. Rigged. Rigged. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.